And ladies and gentlemen of the jury, the prosecution is not going to get that man today. No. Because I'm going to get him. Welcome to this edition of the Hagman Report. It is Wednesday, November 1st. Change your calendars, November 1st, 2017. I'm Doug Hagman, Joe Hagman, with me. Uh, together we're something I like to call America's premier father-son investigative reporting team. Reporting from our studios, radio and television studios in beautiful northwest, beautiful but blustery actually, northwest Pennsylvania, where we broadcast live weeknights, 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern Time. That's our flagship program. And, and folks, check out, if you haven't done so, uh, check out our, our individual shows. Mine airs from 9 to 10, Monday through Friday, on Blog Talk Radio and uh, Global Star Radio Network. And Joe and John from 2 to 3, same platforms, Blog Talk Radio and Global Star uh, Radio Network as well. And uh, uh, you know what? Tell us what you think. Uh, go ahead and send an email to studio at Hagman and Hagman.com. Two ends, by the way, on Hagman. Just to let us know what you think, um, about our individual programs and, uh, uh, like some feedback from that. You know, we're, we're touching so many countries right now. Collectively, I think we've got, uh, a majority of the free countries all across the world. And it's, it's really nice to uh, get feedback and, uh, let us know what you think of our uh, of our programs. Again, the Doug Hagman Radio Show, and then of course the Hagman Daily with John and Joe. So uh, five hours of programming every day, and that's what we bring to you. Uh, don't forget our website HagmanReport.com, and then we've got social networking as well. Obviously, follow us on Twitter at Hagman Report. You can follow me at Hagman PI. You can follow Joe. You can follow Tech Eric, as a matter of fact. You can just follow all of us. Stalk us. Go ahead. A lot of news to get into tonight. We have a great show lined up for you tonight. Uh, we're going to be starting off with Lisa Haven here shortly. LisaHaven.news is her website. And then the second hour, we've got a really, a real treat for you. And that's Bill Martinez, one of the fastest growing syndicated conservative talk show hosts in America today. Bill Martinez, if you haven't heard of him or heard him, you're in for a real treat in hour number two. But starting off, of course, uh, if you've been following the New York City, uh, terror attack, this guy, the perp, I'm not even going to say his name and I can even pronounce it. I'm not going to give him that dignity. Um, is uh, bragging at his bedside about the uh, about the terror attack he did, and, and it's come out where a, a an imam of a mosque repeatedly warned Mayor Bill De Blasio about uh, various terror terrorist hotbeds. And Joe and I have been in this area, uh, really from New York City, from from Brooklyn. Uh, to Patterson, New Jersey, Jersey yeah, City. A lot of Patterson. Yeah. And the, the thing is, is according to this particular imam, and I quote, I was ignored. He did nothing. He did nothing, meaning de Blasio did nothing. And then we find out that the Fed, the Feds interviewed this Islamic terrorist in 2015 during the Obama regime while James Comey was the director of the FBI. 
you think that there's any any problem there so there you have it that alone should cause anger righteous anger uh at at the lack of that the lack of response both by de blasio and what was the fbi doing now i can understand perhaps i can give the fbi a little bit of slack given the fact that well if if he didn't commit a crime but certainly there should have been some surveillance but don't forget the pushback by by the council on american islamic relations and the um and the, even the progressives in the government whether it's the state government federal government or in this case the city government the city of new york so having said that that's that's where we're at there and there's discussions that it was interesting joe you saw the uh you, you, i don't know if you saw the news conference i i think you did where um the question was asked you know is he a candidate for gitmo and uh the <laughs> the response was well we really haven't addressed that yet but certainly why not and uh i don't know i i i think I, I think that we need to be doing something that we haven't been doing over the last decade or since or over the last 16 years, and that is treating these terrorists as uh, the terrorists that they are. Thoughts? What? No, I I saw um, Judge Napolitano's thoughts on the enemy combatant part of this, and he says right. that it's against their constitutional rights. And I agree to, to some extent, except when you're dealing with somebody who actually carried out an attack and promoted ISIS as the reason, saying they did this because, you know, they're they're trying to further the agenda of ISIS. To me, that puts you in a whole other category, and um, the guy's proud of doing it. Well, right. What more needs to be said? Put him in Guantanamo. And, and I respect, I, I'll tell you what, Joe, I respect Judge Napolitano for his constitutional knowledge. And uh, so having said that, I would defer to him uh, how it how would apply constitutionally. But Well, uh, I agree. You can't put suspects in there. Uh, somebody true, who's committed true. a terror attack, who's pledged their allegiance and said they've done it for ISIS, who is from another country, I think, you know, in order, how else are you going to deter these types of attacks from, from happening? In well, the exactly. If this even does, I don't know. Maybe it'll make people think twice before carrying out an attack, but... Something's got to change. Well, we're right, and I think I think really what what does have to change, the obviously the lottery, the visa. Oh yeah, the, uh, that that That's has crazy. to change. And I, on my morning show today, I tell, there were two judges in particular that really stopped because um, uh, stopped Donald Trump, President Donald Trump, from eliminating this this uh, uh, diversity visa program. And, and Char, uh, Senator Chuck Schumer, uh, was behind it. It was, is actually known as the Schumer Act. And this goes back to 1986, 1990. It was a different iteration of that in 1995. And when it became the Schumer Act and, uh, it, uh, 50,000, 50,000 a year come in from, uh, these various countries. So, uh, but, but it's interesting that there are two, there are two federal judges or uh, yeah, two two judges, uh, federal judges that were appointed by Obama, Judge Derek Watson from Hawaii, and also Judge Theodore uh, Wong or Chong or Chuang or I'm not even sure how you pronounce that last name from Maryland, both Obama appointees who, who um, stopped the uh, uh, Donald Trump's uh, uh, changes to the executive changes to the immigration. So that, that's very interesting, and I, and I addressed that during the Doug Agman radio show this morning. But anyway, 
We have Lisa Haven with us. Lisa Haven dot news and internet sensation, a, a remarkable investigative reporter, investigative journalist, uh, citizen journalist, uh, just a, and again, internet sensation, YouTube sensation. I want to welcome Lisa Haven back to our program. Lisa, thanks so much for joining us tonight. Yeah, thanks for having me on. I'm excited to be here. Oh man, it's, it's we're excited to have you. Uh, now you know we do have a problem, Lisa. There's not too much to talk about. Hmm. Um, not a whole lot going on, so I don't, I don't even, I don't know. Um, now, uh, let's start with what we were talking yeah, about. Yeah, let's start in with New the York. New York City, uh, terror attack. Uh, thoughts, your position on things. You know, I, I get so mad at the mainstream media. I know we all do, but first of all, I, I mean, I'm hoping Donald Trump continues to push the whole fake news narrative as far as CNN and whatnot is concerned. But, I mean, I was reading on the New York Times, and they're all, what did they call it, a truck, truck, uh, truck plowing, <laughs> plowing truck, instead of saying Islamic terrorists. You know? Right. Like, let's label it for what it is. And then what was it? Jake Tapper goes on media, and he's a CNN, Communist News Network, and he calls the guy saying Allah Akbar. Like, it's, like it's, it's, sometimes it's a beautiful thing, but other times, and I, I, want, I just wanted to slap him. You know, when you, when you look at it all together, and, you know, they're afraid to give it a label. They're afraid to label it as, as what it is. And I know Donald Trump has been labeling it, and I'm excited that that is going on. But when these sickos, such as, you know, I can't even pronounce the guy's name, Souffle, I don't know. <laughs> but he's, he's a sicko. He is the sicko to, to take his truck and plow, you know, a bike path. Eight people dead, leaving 11 injured like that. We have a, a, a massacre. If it wasn't for the cop that shot the guy, within seconds, it could have been a lot worse. Uh, but these are the kind of people that we're dealing with. And, and he had no rhyme or reason if kids were there or any of that. It didn't matter. It was just, let's kill as many Westerner people as we can. Why? Because at the very core of the Islamic faith, and I think that's what we have to go back to, is what are these people really believing? You know, what is the core of their faith that's going to drive someone to do these ludicrous acts? And that is what the mainstream media is ignoring, the very foundation of what drives them to do what they're doing. Absolutely. That's and right. if I can, I just want to say this. Um, you know, we see when there is a terror attack with, with a gun, we always see the media instantly jumping into gun control mode, uh, you know, talking about banning uh, weapons, banning uh, semi-automatic rifles, on and on and on and on. And as you said, never actually talking about the ideology that drives the behavior. And if we looked at it from that same perspective today, we would be talking about banning trucks. And, and uh, you know, we could go on and on. Uh, I saw some really funny comments about, you know, automatic transmissions and <laughs> comparing AAA to the NRA, and it was really funny. But... Uh, no, that's the problem we have. And, and also, there's a, a story from the Daily Caller. Media worries about Islamophobia after NYC attack. This is another um, response that we see from the liberal media. Every time we see a terror attack, all these people are coming out saying how, uh, you know, you better we better not hear any Islamophobia today. You know, you bigots, uh, you know, keep your mouth shut. This isn't about Islam. We also had the New York City uh, police uh, terror uh, or one of the very top positions on the New York City Police Force, NYPD Intel Chief, says this is not about Islam. This is not about what mosque he attended. So you have these defenders, uh, the people who come out and instantly defend the actions of the terrorist, never wanting to talk about the ideology of Islam and the dangers that that ideology po poses. 
they just want to defend it, and that is really frustrating. It is, and here's the other thing. Let's um, let's go. I think you know this is <laughs> sarcasm a little bit, but I think it was all sparked from that commercial that they aired recently, right? Where you have the minority group of kids. It was a George Soros funded commercial. You probably know the one I'm talking about. Oh yeah. You have the Galepsi vehicle, you know, the redneck truck vehicle going after these kids, basically plowing your minority groups. I think they had it backwards. The Muslim should have been the one in the vehicle. Jeez. And then, the, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. I mean, did they get inspiration from that? Because that's normally what happens. If you go overseas and you look what happens in uh, London and the UK and just everywhere, it's, it's, they're plowing people in vehicles. Let's, let's at least get the commercial right, right? <laughs> Exactly. And, and, you know, you said it was a Soros-funded commercial. Wasn't, and I'm trying to, that was a campaign commercial, correct? Yeah, yeah. He had money in it somewhere. And I, and I, I gotta, I gotta, I'll have to funnel through my notes, but there's money from him somewhere in it. Right. But yes, it was, yes, obviously. And, but he's and got poor taste. It was, it was just a horrible uh, taste, mm-hmm. I thought. Yeah. I thought so. Very horrible. And then shortly thereafter, here we have, you know, another terrorist attack. So, I mean, I'm just, I'm just saying, you know, but it's just crazy. But I think it all boils down to, uh, like you guys were saying, they want to go after our guns. They want to go after the NRA. And that's what they turn it into because that's all they have to turn it into. But what they ignore is the fact that the cop shot the guy and prevented more killings within, you know, seconds of the thing happening. He saved lives as a result of having a gun and being able to stop that guy from doing more damage because the bad guy always gets the guns. That's what they're never taught on the far left. Bad people will get guns no matter the rules, regulations in place. So the rules and regulations are in place just for the good guys. Exactly. As far as guns are concerned. And, and Lisa, you mentioned our guest is Lisa Haven, and she really needs no introduction. Everyone watching this show, whether it's live or via archive or listening, I guarantee you, you know Lisa Haven. She is just a event. She's a dynamo, and, and she's. I'll tell you what, we get a lot of. I watch her all the time. I get a lot of information from from Lisa Haven. But you said something, and, and I want to touch on this because one thing that I, I'm not sure how many people had saw this. Um, I had actually there been in my office uh, th- three different three different monitors on three different networks plus the computer uh, watching the uh, the whole thing unfold yesterday. And the one thing uh, when they identified him as saying as getting out of the out of the truck and yelling Alua Akbar um, to, to to a station with the exception of Fox News had on the lower third um God is great yeah the the, the words uh, uh suspect sh- uh, shouted God is great in Arabic or if they didn't say that they said uh well hang, hang on here's my point Fox is the only one that said suspect shouted Alua Akbar um and and to me that's a subliminal kind of thing taking place there. That's kind of what I wanted to just, you know, to, to kind of add on to what you were saying. Uh, and I think words matter and, and words mean things and the perception of how things are, are, are sent out. They, they mean things. I don't know if, if you caught that, but I, I, I thought that was a little bit, uh, disingenuous. Yeah, a hundred percent. Because why? Because there's a difference between 
Allah Akbar, because a lot of people do associate that with the negative, uh, considering everything that's happened over the years, because that's what everybody yells before they blow themselves up or <laughs> plow people over. It's unfortunate, and it's sad, and it's heartbreaking. So now they're saying it's almost as if you get the feeling, uh, God is good, bam, let me kill you. So you get this idea that you're parading into people's minds that God is bad. Uh, obviously, that is not the case. Now, the God that they're serving that wants to go and kill people is not the God that you and I serve, you know? Amen. Although some will tell you otherwise, but that's just not the case. It's not true. And so for them to call that God like the God we serve, because it's a very general sense that they're using, you kind of get this um, vibe as a listener. And I guess a, it's, it's a mind manipulation te- technique. If you want to label it as such, that's what it is. And it's just that let's put the whole idea that God is not good. How do we do that? Well, we don't even have to say Allah Akbar, God is good. We can just say God is good and then associate that term with the death of all these people. So there's a lot of problems that can come into play like that. And I think you're you're walking a very fine line when you do that. When we are um, talking about, you know, the Islamic faith and religion, I actually, um, a couple of years ago, I did this whole write-up on, you know, the, the Christian Antichrist and uh, the Muslim savior and show like the similarities between the two. Uh, so if you, if you take the Bible, which obviously we serve a different God than they serve, that's not our God. But if you take the Bible, it's almost like the Islamic faith has literally flipped it on its back upside down, at least the book of Revelation, kept in a bit of truth, but made our Antichrist their savior. And that's why there's all kinds of um, uh, stuff in the Quran and the Hadith and all the things that they read uh, that say things like make war with the unbelievers and hypocrites, that's in their Surah 973 and I'm quoting off of that but slay the idolaters wherever you find them, that would be Christians, anyone who doesn't believe in the Islam, arrest them besiege them and lie in ambush, that's Surah 973 uh, and also uh, 47.4 when you see the unbelievers strike off their heads which we know in the book of Revelation, there is a scripture saying that in the latter days they will basically cut your heads off. And here they have in the Islamic religion saying that they want to cut the heads off of those who do not believe in, in Islam. So when it when it's it's this polar opposite that you see, and it's a very scary place to be, but I think that's why it does boil down to some of the ideology. Now, um I'm gonna go on a little bit there. There are some in the Muslim faith who are obviously, or in Islamic faith who are not radicalized. Uh, They are, you know, they take those particular scriptures and say, oh, it's just a mentality. They don't mean literal. Well, if we were to compare that, um, it's like some of the, the radical Islam thinks those Islamists are kind of watered down Islam, if you will. And these are the hardcore Islams, kind of like Christian. We have Christianity, we have watered-down Christianity, but that's kind of how they view it all together. But it does boil down to that to the ideological line. Yeah, and Lisa, you know, you make a great point about the uh, them when they when they say you know Allah Akbar when they're when they're giving the English trans, translation God is greater. They don't make that distinction. Uh, you know that the the Muslims don't believe in the same God as as Christians do for one and two. In the context that it's being said, it's a battle cry. It is saying, I read an article in the Daily Wire today, they, they made the argument that it's saying Allah is greater. Either way, um, for, for Jake Tapper or anybody else on CNN to, to hide the fact or conceal it, to, to conceal or, or, uh, defend Islam is crazy and for them to, 
um, you know, to compare it to being a beautiful saying is after uh, or in the context of this terror attack in any way, it, it's crazy that they would do that. Uh, but this is, you know, where the media has been lately. They have been so far removed from reality that we see just this disconnect of the facts and that we it's so hard and frustrating, as I said earlier, to deal with a media that is so far removed from any uh, semblance of reality. Do you think that with the, that the people, the American people who are watching, uh, casually observing or, or on a regular basis watching these mainstream networks, do you think that they're able to see through the lines? I'm, if they're watching other news media or if they're getting or getting information from friends or people outside of that, it's unfortunate, but I know, I mean, there's people out there, they'll just flip on the TV when some big event comes on, whatever channel it lands on, you know, but then, you know, it's a lot of people are kind of on this normalcy bias still. I see like, um, I've, I've talked to people on the street because I'm, I'm very political, right? So I want to find out if I go sit down next to someone, hey, what are you doing? You know, tell me about your views or whatever. And a lot, a lot of them have no idea. They're like, well, I haven't thought about that in a long time. And that's what I get a lot. And it's kind of like, oh, God, it's heartbreaking because it's um, if we ignore it, the problem will continue to grow and get worse. And when your brain goes straight to, to channels like just the most popular pick, which that's what everybody goes to. I mean, you go to the, to, um, you know, work out or go to a restaurant or go to a bar. You're going to see CNN on there or Fox. I'm starting to see more of Fox. I hope I hope they start switching over. Uh, but there are, unfortunately, a people who will just follow the narrative, listen to the story, and move on and live their lives and ignore everything else that's going on now. That said, I think with Donald Trump coming up, that woke up a lot of people. Because since he's been in office, and I've talked to people politically, you know, on the street or whatever, more people are aware politically than I think have been in 10, 15 years. Uh, you know, because of what happened with Obama and then Donald Trump getting in with all this anti-globalization finally rising to the forefront. People are mad at the U.N. We have Brexit going on. So I see a huge wake up going on. So now with Donald Trump telling people to question the mainstream media, specifically CNN, people are actually starting to question CNN. And with me and you and InfoWars and all the other channels that are rising to the forefront saying, hey, look, this is the real story. Look, CNN lied to you and said the guy was white and he's black, or he's black and he's white. Here's the photos. You know, Th- these are actual things that happen, and people are going online now, and uh, they're starting to wake up because of what we are doing. And I think we're making a big impact. And I honestly don't think they expected that. No, I, I agree with you, and I think you're right. And I hope more people. Um, you know, are able to see through the lies of the, the mainstream media and the bias that it has and get out of that bubble and go find the truth for themselves, you know, where, wherever that may lead them. Uh, Lisa, I want to kind of switch gears here a little bit. We see the same kind of me- media craziness with a lot of these stories uh, I want to get into. I want to ask you about November 4th, this, I don't know, what is it, the Day of Rage, whatever, the, the, the Antifa uh, movement. that I've seen some flyers. Uh, we, there was also a full, on InfoWars, they had an article about a full page ad taken out in the New York Times promoting this November 4th day of rage saying Trump and Pence had to go. It's time that this, uh, you know, regime is over. And there's a number of cities that 
it looks like they're going to be on alert. Atlanta is one of them. Uh, but there's about 12 or 15 cities on a list that are the main points of organization for this November 4th movement. Do you think it's going to be a dud? Do you expect to see uh, many people show up in some of these cities? What, what do you expect to see on November 4th? Yeah, I think people will actually go out. Uh, the reason I think that is because they've already been out. Now, I don't think it'll be thousands and thousands of people like we saw with the Women Hate March. <laughs> but I think there will be, you know, groups of people that could vary in size depending on the city that they're in. And this is just my personal opinion. Uh, we know Project Veritas got in there and exposed the fact that some of them were actually planning on being violent, how to stab a conservative, and all this kind of crazy stuff that came out in those private meetings. So that's a bit scary. But the reason I say they actually will come out is because they've promoted this thing for months, number one. Number two, they've already came out and shown us that they're capable of doing damage and wreaking havoc and chaos. And three, I, I mean, they're kind of like the old weather underground, if we want to label it that way. But they're really getting uh, nitty-gritty with it, and they're going out there. And, like, as you know, they, they stopped traffic and saying it all begins November 4th. And I don't think it's going to be some big, crazy, chaotic thing. I think the police are aware of it. I think, you know, they, they, they kind of know the areas they're going to be in. Um, but I think there will be riots, demonstration, probably some things, you know, happen, you know, uh, that would happen at a normal riot. People might get stabbed, may not, you know, but I, I think um, – the purpose of it is that basically they want to get out there and wreak havoc uh, and in their protests like they've usually done and cover their faces like cowards. You know, if you're going to go out there and do that stuff, at least show your face. That's, you know, show your face. Show the people who you are. And I have to question Antifa, if any of them are probably listening, you know they probably are. Why hide it? Why why hide it? Are you, are you ashamed of what you do? And that, I think, needs to be a question that's addressed because, hey, if you're not ashamed and you think it's the right thing, then why are you covering up, you know? You, you know, Lisa, I, I, I have, this is the first time I'm reporting on this, but, uh, again, I'm working with some investigators volunteering uh, for the Northeast Intelligence Network, a group I founded, and, and we are providing some information to local law enforcement when and where applicable, but some of the information I have is that November 4th is kind of the start. Uh, yeah. but, but one of the things that disturbed me the most is uh, some plans to take this to various neighborhoods in uh, suburban areas. And they're planning. And uh, Now, this is what they are saying. They are planning home invasions. They're planning on um, uh, a helter-skelter kind of activity. All right, and I'm not going to go further into that except to say that it's very asymmetric in terms of what they're planning, the warfare, and they are armed and they are trained, interestingly yeah. enough, trained by ISIS in some cases. Uh, so I don't know if you've heard that or not. I've heard pieces of it. I haven't heard about the home invasions uh, that they were planning on doing, but I don't doubt that. I think they're an, a radical group. I think they should be labeled as a terrorist group. And I do, they're, uh, like you said, they have, uh, now I believe are working with ISIS, which that's a scary thought because we have the left and ISIS working together. So I'm not trying to say that it won't happen. I think there will be violence. Let me clarify. I think things will happen. I just, we don't know what the extent till the day of. And like you said, it's a continuing thing. So they don't plan on stopping on November 4th. They plan on it continuing on. Now, what that continuation actually looks like, I guess that's to be determined. But I think from what you're telling me, you think it could involve home invasions, 
uh, going forward of maybe even people like what we do, the things that we do, we could be a target? Absolutely. And, and that's the other thing, too. Go out and assassinate the people who talk bad about them. Go out and assassinate, you know, the Lisa Havens, the, the Hagmans, the, anyone, anyone with a presence. And the bigger presence, the bigger the target. And so this is what we're hearing. And of course, um, the police can't act on pre-crime, but, but the conspiracy aspect of that, they're very well aware of it. And, um, so, so I just want to mention that, but 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 yeah, the, the fourth. It's my understanding the fourth is just the kickoff, and yes. they're gonna they're gonna increase as, um, well as they can. So and then Joe, you you are you know I got a few different feelings about this. Um, although I do agree that those tactics may be employed in the future, I just don't see that happening. Well, I don't see it happening on the fourth necessarily, no. but and I'm, I don't see this picking up momentum either. And and hopefully I'm right about this. Hopefully yeah. it's a dud. Hopefully there, you know, if anything happens, it's in a few cities and it's only on Saturday. And the police, obviously, as we saw in Charlottesville, um, did not take any action, you know, in in stopping the the violent protests versus the people who had permits to be there. This is only going to be a one-sided rally, and hopefully the police in each jurisdiction understand when and where things are going to kind of happen in order to have the personnel ready in case things do get out of hand but i i don't i don't see that energy i mean lisa i want to ask you this paul joseph watson did a great video on a rally against mike cernovich that antifa was a part of that namblo was also a part of and on this banner it said no mike cernovich no pedo bashing <laughs> and so, what, what's this about? Oh, what oh Antifa is teaming up with uh, the National Association for Man Boy, boy Love. Yeah, yeah. Man Association. Man I don't know. Yeah, Nambla. That's all I know it as. It's it's sick. Uh, I mean, let, just look at the Islamic religion. I don't know. I think there's a belief in there that that you can be a man and go after a boy. I mean, I mean, maybe that's part of the love affair of. I, the radical Islam and the ISIS with this leftist group. And, you know, I, I really hope they don't gain momentum also, but I saw that banner and I'm like, what an idiot. Like, it shows, it, I guess, the banner and the fact that it was their biggest banner and they were all standing behind it like it was amazing. Yeah. I was, I'm like, I'm like, oh my God, I wanted to slap the people, but I'm like, they're idiots. Let them show their idiocy because I think that, you know, obviously maybe it'll wake some people up if they were actually thinking about this Antifa group or I don't know, but it shows the, the kind of education level of, of the people that you know, the mainstream media are brainwashing that those in the Hillary camp are attempting to weed over to their side or to pull over to the left side. But I think it really shows the mentality of where those people are. And that was one of the sickest things I could have read, but it also comes from a very sick group of people, if you know what I'm saying. So, uh, yeah, I, I saw that banner. I saw that report and my jaw dropped. I'm like, oh, I can't. Yeah, I thought that That's was uh, on so many levels. But when I saw the video today, I, I thought, you know, this can't be, this can't be right, this can't be real. But sure enough, um, that was that was not just a Paul Joseph Watson putting out a, a fake thing. These people actually held a banner that said "No Pedo Bashing" and had their two logos right next to each other. And you know, more if this is the way they want to present them, if this is who they want to team up with. And this is how they want to present themselves to the American people. More power to them. I wish them all the luck in the world. But I don't. So that, 
yeah. saying that makes me think they won't grab momentum in the future because people will be like, yeah, that's way, you know, over the top. So I have, I have hope. I think a lot of it can be stomped out beforehand uh, if, you know, the government, I guess, goes at it the right way, if you will. No, you're absolutely right, and it's just insanity. Um, I want to. There's a few other places I want to go, Lisa. Uh, one, the JFK files. Have you had time to go through any of uh, the release data, and have you found anything interesting? Um, a few things. Um, kind of some of the stuff I'm sure you guys already talked about. We I haven't really talked about it on the show yet. Oh, um, well, one of the things was that came out. There was a paragraph. Maybe I'll pull it up, but I'm going to try to say it from memory. But there was a paragraph in there, uh, and I've got a report on it. It's called Two Files You Should See from the JFK. And this particular paragraph reveals that when there there was a shot basically from the front, we know Oswald was up high, you know, coming from the window. It came from the front and through the windshield of the vehicle. So it proved the conspiracy theory that people said all along because there was over six witnesses uh, that spoke of this bullet that came through the windshield that they never wanted to talk about. So there's a, another bullet from the from that windshield uh, that that has been proven now as a fact, no longer a conspiracy, which people knew back then because there was too many witnesses that were legit witnesses to say that that was that bullet. That was a huge one. Uh, another thing that came out in the file was, and why, and I don't, I don't even really know what it's in, why, why it was in there, but they had planned um, Operation Mongoose, which you may have brought up before, but that was in the JFK files where they talked about uh, attempting to kill some refugees who were coming over uh, from Cuba in order to frame it on Castro so they could take Castro to war. Uh, obviously a false flag attempt, or a, 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 they were talking about doing this false flag attempt. So that was another thing that came out in the JFK files. Then there was a, a strange reference uh, to Hitler being alive after World War II. <laughs> like, I had to, like, verify that one. I'm like, and then I saw it on InfoWars. I'm like, I think this is good. But that was intriguing to me, but uh, that there was reference talk uh, that Hitler was still alive after World War II. So those are the three biggest things that I know that have came out so far. You, you know, I, I don't have much doubt about the latter, about Hitler being alive. I, yeah, I just question yeah. uh, how that came out in that uh, uh tranche of files really but okay yeah like what's it doing in there it, that, it, right. I'm like, <laughs> yeah exactly um and the in the shot through the windshield i i thought was very interesting because i do remember that i remember attending a lecture this is back early 1970s i think it was um by mark lane um many people know him uh one of the f- uh, premier researchers of this and um i believe at that time he had mentioned the uh, windshield, sh- bullet hole in the windshield in the front shot. But but having said all of that, very, very interesting nonetheless. The, the release, uh, how many, we didn't get all of them yet, did we? Or, or, or did we? No, I think we're still 300 shy. So they okay. released 2,800, but we're 300 some odd shy. That's my estimate. But I know that Trump had... I, if I remember correctly, don't quote me on this, it was a six-month period that he was going to wait, sit on it, and uh, try to release it again, I think. Gotcha. All right. 
fantastic. Um, and of course, we're talking with Lisa Haven. LisaHaven.news is her website. Find her on YouTube as well. Everything's you could, everything's connected uh, via her website, which is a fantastic website, by the way. Uh, <laughs> I go there for show prep and uh, anytime I'd, I'd like to uh, watch her, of course. And uh, many people asking, um, Diesel, there with you? Yeah, <laughs> okay. I'm here. All right. Say hi to See, we at the, there's Diesel. There's Diesel. Now who? Could, yeah. Did you dress him up for Halloween, Lisa? There you go. I know I should have. I didn't. Who didn't Well, we have a lady, the studio dog here, and we have Theo, Eric, and Jackie's dog, and they dressed him up. They had a few costumes for him. They put him in a Batman costume, and then he came to the studio as a, a lobster man. Which was pretty funny. We put a, a couple of tweets up on Hagman Report about that. Always pretty, uh, fun. Yeah, yeah. Oh, how cute! <laughs> so, so th- well, thank you for that. Many people will be happy to see uh, your buddy there, uh, Diesel, oh. as well. So, we appreciate that. A little levity, you know. It, it's it's really is this kind of? Do you find that what we're what we're seeing? I mean, between the attack in New York City, the geopolitics, the uh, my goodness, the the Mueller indictments, man, it's so oppressive, isn't it? Uh, it it's wow. It, it is. It's you know. It's you know. There's 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 bad things happening, and there's good things happening, and I think we need to keep that in perspective. Uh, there hasn't been a lot of headway for many years, and so I can say the fact that the uranium one and all that, the cat is finally coming out of the bag, the Podestas, Podesta brothers are coming to the forefront, things are getting exposed uh, with the actual evidence, and then at the same time, you know, we have the terrorist attacks, we had the Vegas shooting, we had loss of life, but I think... At the same level, anytime that that stuff starts getting exposed, we know recently the DNC got exposed for funding that with the Chris, they helped fund the Christopher Steele fake dossier, and now we have another shooting, you know, there in New York. So it, it's um, we, the, the recent shooting, anyway. And so we have, I don't know if you know. Some of it's in play. Some of it can be distraction. Uh, but the DNC, Clinton, the Podestas, uh, they're all in trouble. And at the same time, we have this battle going on. People like us are exposing this stuff, but people like CNN, MSNBC, ABC, we're fighting with who will give it five seconds of talk time and then go and push a fake narrative of Russian Trussell or Paul Manafort or whoever they want to push out that day uh, to just ignore what's going on with the Democratic Party with the Uranium One deal. Uh, but hopefully people are waking up to that. So there is good happening but it's coming with some bad. And I don't think the globalists are done with us. I think that they're going to plan more events. They're going to plan more stuff because their dirt is coming up and they don't like it. You know, I'm, I'm, I've been following, uh, since Peter Schweitzer came out with Clinton Cash, I've been following the, the Uranium One story. And uh, the, the Clinton Cash really set the foundation, the, the foundational uh, facts for Uranium One. And then from there, we've been learning more and more. Uh, this, to me, is... It, it's nothing short. I, I mean, this is treasonous, and I can't believe some of the people who drink the Kool Aid on on the social networking trying to, trying to say, well, 
that's a this has all been debunked. Um, you know, it's it's rumored and it's been debunked. Snopes coming out and saying that, and of course, uh, there are uh, 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 what do you call those? Well, just images containing uh, all this paragraph of just baloney. Um, but I'll tell you something. I mean, consider if this if this were the 1950s and this would have come out, I think the reaction of the American people would be a little bit different, considering it's the material used for atomic weapons. Yeah. Yeah, that's what they're ignoring. I mean, 20% of our uranium, this is used for atomic weapons, and we're not going to say that's treasonous. We're going to ignore it, and we're going to turn and and not pay attention to that. Why? We're talking, you know, stuff that can make bombs and, you know, nuclear weapons, and we're just going to turn a blind eye to it. Stuff that we've gone to war with Iraq, right? For. And yet we're going to allow the Clintons and we're going to allow the Obama administration to turn a blind eye to this. And obviously we have key players who are the same people that are investigating Donald Trump right now. The same ones that turned and were, were investigating back then, right, are investigating now for the most part. And, and it's all one sided. And um so, I mean, I just hope that more of it continues to surface. And obviously, it would be nice to see someone uh, from the Obama administration, Hillary Clinton specifically, go to jail. I don't know if or when that will ever happen. Uh, but they're definitely fighting some pretty big players right now. And, um, you know, yeah, so, yeah, so we're making headway, I guess. But we, we've got a long, long, long way to go. Yeah. You, you, your, your thoughts on the Manafort indictment? Uh and um, uh, Richard Gates, and of course, uh, Pop, uh, whatever his name is. Uh, uh, but but your thoughts on those? I mean, it, it, to me, yeah, they didn't make too much sense. I, I guess let me just say this: it looked, it almost read uh, the thirty-one page indictment. I, I went through it, and it almost read like kind of a press release, almost as opposed to an <laughs> indictment. It was kind of weird how, how it was framed. Now, I haven't read the indictment yet, but um, as far as what's going on in that situation, I, I have to ask this question. I am sure there are hundreds of other senators and people who have offshore accounts, if you will, like Manafort. And so I think this is just they're pulling straws and making a claim in order to indict someone uh, because they don't want it to be themselves. I think it's a, just a distraction. They want to aimlessly attempt to push the Russian narrative on Trump any way they can do this. And they're using that route to do that. Meanwhile, they're in bed with them, you know, and they're not saying anything and they're refusing. And just like Chucky Schumer said, you know, we have six ways of Sunday that the intelligence committee has six ways of Sunday at getting back at you. Well, that's what they're doing. I think that's all this is about. Let's just get back at, uh, you know, people who were involved with Donald Trump but yet ignore what we're doing over here. And that's what we can see plain as day happening because we know we could probably pull dirt on pretty much every, you know, senator out there or congressman or whatever. They've got something somewhere, you know, to be at that level of where they're at. And there is a lot of blackmail going on. I know I've had friends who have uh, been in Congress who talk very much about they pull up dirt, they blackmail you, they they do certain things to you. You're, it's, it's a very... Uh, manipulative world, and so I think that's just a part of of their chessboard game. Absolutely, and moving from the uh, political world over to the the media and the entertainment industry, we've been seeing a whole lot of these sexual assault and harassment claims 
that have not only uh, engulfed Hollywood, but now we are seeing a number of media personalities being named and having to step down. And I got a, a short list here. Um, you have the, was it the former CEO of NPR? I don't know where my list went here. But anyway, yeah, there was a whole bunch of them. And on The Daily Show, we talked about this. Uh, you have Mark Halperin. You have um, a number of people in the media are being outed. And I saw a, um, here it is, Panic It's Hollywood and Press, which harasser will be outed next. So you have that. You have the Dustin Hoffman was accused today. You have more um, Kevin Spacey accusations. Uh, you have this whole Harvey Weinstein thing. You have the, the Corey Feldman angle of this. And it doesn't look like it's going away anytime soon. Do you think that people are coming out now because it's very convenient to do so because we're seeing uh, other people speak out? And why do you think it is that even you know, 20, 30 years after the fact, people are speaking out now? Is it a move to become more relevant? Are they finally finding it an acceptable time to tell their story? What do you think is behind this? You know, I'd love to do a little more research on that and see, because my, my thought is I wonder how many of those, like, support, you know, Donald Trump, if you will, or, like, have come out, because it's almost as if they're attempting, it's like they're picking and choosing, well, let's purge this guy and this guy and this guy, because Lord knows, you know, somebody, no, I mean, I'm just going to be real, you know, if you're a dude, right, you probably touch somebody's butt somewhere in some way on accident, whether, you know what I'm saying? But a lot of these things, so, oh, my God, he touched my butt 10 years ago. Or, you know, I mean, like, okay, I get it, but this has been 30 years from now or 20 years from now. So what I see is this is uh, deliberately done. That's all I can leave, you know, think, because why is it all of a sudden all these people at once? I don't think it's, oh, it's a coincidence. Oh, he told on me. Now now I should come out. Now I should come out. I don't see that. I, I, that's not, a, that's, I think that. I guess I'd lean more towards the conspiracy, if you want to label it that way, that there's got to be a deeper reason as to why it's all happening and why are they picking, you know, certain people out, which I still need to do some research on and find out why. Have you guys gotten a chance to do any of that or, or thought about that? Not really. I mean, we talked about uh, we, we what you just laid out was something with the Harvey Weinstein case that we discussed, that it was there was other motivations behind the timing of the release and we and our um suggestions on that i think were are proven true the more that the more accusers come out and i think the list was up to 70 plus people last time we saw and we know that back in 2004 the new york times was supposed to write a, a big story on this and um they got talked out of it so this is something that they've known about harvey weinstein forever and now you see the media coordinated attack along with his own company firing him um it looked like there was some kind of motivation there. But as we see from him being in whatever type of rehab he's in, uh, some type of intensive well, outpatient, yeah, yeah, he's he, got he some was, messiah complex issues. He, uh, well, I think he was released. Yeah. I mean, he's cured now. I think he was in there, what, uh, three days? <laughs> yeah, he's not cured. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, uh, yeah. Yeah, um, it, 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 mean, it's amazing. It's sick what they're doing, and maybe it's one, of, and maybe it could be. Oh, since you really, I mean, Harvey Weinstein was obviously one of the first. Since his dirt got released, he may have said, "Okay, let's release the dirt on these other guys." You know, that could be something else that's underplay. Is oh, well, you released my dirt, now I'm letting it all out of the bag. You know what I'm saying? So it could have been something to that level, which I think is a possibility too. It's like all the blackmails saying, oh, we're going to drop that, we're letting it out, you know, kind of a thing could be going on as well. So do you think that's a possibility? 
Possibly. You know, I think that you mentioned the word conspiracy. And I think by definition, I think that there is one there. It's a conspiracy of silence. And I think that that's fed by things like, well, you know, if you want this job or you want to keep your, your position, which is a good position. And, and, you know, you think about that, that Hollywood mentality. I think that that plays into that a little bit. Um, so, so I think there's a lot of reasons. Uh, and, you know, you go back to Bill Clinton too, the Clinton uh, mentality, uh, where Hillary protected, and, and some people might argue about this, but, uh, Bill Clinton being the, the type of abuser he was is perhaps allegedly, um, and how Hillary Clinton had covered his tracks. I think you, you saw a lot of that in Hollywood, but I think, uh, yeah, there's something else going on. You're, you're right. There's something else that we're not quite, we haven't identified yet. You know? Yeah. I, I really, I want to spend some time and see what are the political beliefs and what are the, I don't know. It would just be nice to just look and see. Now, what these people are doing is absolutely wrong. I, I don't, you know, agree with their actions. I just, I, I think it's horrible, especially Weinstein, what's going on with that. But I think there is a little more of the story that we're not getting, considering the timing, considering they're all coming out at the same time. There's got to be more to it. Indeed. Lisa Haven is our guest. LisaHaven.news is her website. You can find her on internet, on, on internet, on YouTube, where she's got like, uh, I don't know, 78 trillion followers, um, the population of the globe, basically. No, she's just really knocking it out of the park with her, uh, uh, video segments. And there it is if you're watching YouTube on the screen. And she's just a treasure, uh, as far as we're concerned, uh, in the truth movement and those seeking the truth. Lisa, where, what else here? We've got, uh, I don't know, uh, probably another 10 minutes left of our time together, maybe a little bit less. Uh, uh, the EMP drill on the 4th, Joe just kind of said, make sure you ask her about that. But that and any place else you want to go. Your thoughts on the EMP drill as well as whatever else we haven't covered. Yeah, the EMP drill, that's held by the National Association for Amateur Radio and MARS, uh, your military auxiliary uh, thing. They're also basically the same arm as your ARRL, the radio arm of the military. So they're having a conjunction on November 4th through the 6th, I believe, yet, simulating a very bad day scenario in which they are going to take part of an exercise where a CME hits the earth, uh, which impacts the power grid, and all the telephone, cable, satellite, Internet, all that's knocked out. So it's kind of a drill to prepare for that. Now, we've had multiple of these drills in the past, different organizations. We've had uh, similar ones with ARRL and MARS conduct, you know, similar kind of things in the past. Uh, but it's intriguing to me that now we have this drill on the same day that Antifa is doing their uprising on the 4th of November. Now, could it be that they want some military out and about in case there is an uprising with Antifa? Who knows? Uh, I'm not saying that is the case or isn't the case. I'm just saying, you know, hey, it would be nice if we had, you know, if somebody was there anyway. But they had, the only, the drill is only, I think it's in, um, I don't remember the location, uh, but 
And so it's not it's not going to be all over the place. So it, obviously they couldn't help a great deal with Antifa there. Uh, but anyhow, I just find it interesting that they are going to coincide on the same day. Call it a coincidence or whatever. But they do have drills periodically, different kinds of drills. And what I have noticed is that they've been upping these more and more and more. And I don't know if that's the vulnerability because we're hackable or because they foresee something for sure in the future or because because we have tensions with Russia or because of the tensions we I mean not Russia uh, North Korea I guess you could say Russia too but we have North Korea tensions who have you know the capability of doing an EMP that's been that was actually divulged 20 years ago but they even have satellites that go over our skies here so they have the technology they have the capability I know they did a test recently in North Korea uh, where it killed, you know, some people on this test that they were going to do on one of their ICBMs, I believe. But it's this kind of stuff that makes me think, gosh, they're preparing pretty hardcore. Now, I know earlier this year I reported that FEMA held a pretty ma- massive drill simulating this very same thing where it was a CME and they practiced for a CME. And so they imagined the power grid being taken out. And they only had a plan up to, I think, six months after six months. They really didn't have an answer on how to solve it because it was going to take four to ten years or something like that, depending on the area, to fix the power grid altogether, depending on the devastation that was caused by an EMP. So it's like they really don't even have an answer, and that's what the American people need to know. They can do these drills, but if we hit, depending on when it hits, where it hits, and all of that, I mean, it could be, you know, one area, it could be a massive area. I mean, you, I mean, worst case scenario would be they take out a portion of America and then we're in a lot of trouble. But if that happens, something like that, then we're talking four to ten years to fix the grid. And there isn't really plans beyond six months on how the government can handle that. So that's why I always tell people that they need to be prepared. They need to be ready for anything uh, because we just don't know when anything is going to happen, if or when. I mean, people weren't told when earthquakes hit. You know, people aren't told, you know, hey, there's going to be a shooting in Vegas. It happens. That's the way it is. We don't know the timing on anything. So that's why I'm a huge, you know, proponent on on. Um, prepping and just being ready in the event of anything and nobody can actually put a time stamp on on when any of that will happen because we just don't know but it's just a good thing to be ready altogether absolutely right and you know one of the things that concerns a lot of people out there who see these emp drill and and other drill type scenarios is that we so often see that drills have a tendency to go live and we saw this with 9-11, I mean, over and over and over again. And uh, even people in Las Vegas were saying there there was a, a FEMA mass shooting drill that took place that same day. So when people see this, you know, EMP drill, they start to wonder, will this go live? Um, and is this more than a drill? But as you said, it, as the report states, it is a simulated attack on the power grid. So I don't think we should worry now, but we should be aware that it's there, as well as uh, if the power goes out, we we should know uh, pretty quickly how that how that happened. We only have about a minute and a half left, Lisa. Anything that we didn't get into that you wanted to talk about? Um, I think we got into most of it, and I would just add to what you were saying. Just make sure you know you know take it in as you know what's the possible thing that could happen. Like anything else, you know, a pandemic has happened in history's past. It can happen again. We can have a another Carrington event. If you, you know, a 1980, what was it? 18, I don't remember the year. Do you remember the year? <laughs> but the Carrington event yeah. basically 
1852? Something like that. But it not it will knock out the whole power grid, or it could knock out a huge chunks of the power grid. Something like that could happen again. We just don't know. Uh, so that's why you know, play it safe, do what you can, get informed, and uh, stand up, I guess, when we can. So politically you're, speaking, you're exactly right. And the Carrington Carrington event was, I'm sorry, 1859. That was the most powerful geomagnetic storm. Uh, during a, a uh, solar max cycle where we got a CME and it, and it burned a lot of the, the telegraph lines. And if we had that same event today... It should have knocked all the television stations off here, too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but if we yeah. had that same thing happen today, it would be a major disaster for the power grids, not only of America, but all across the world. And we've talked, we've done a lot of work on the EMP here and had many authors come on to talk about this. And have even had authors on who have very uh, cheap, affordable solutions to some of these problems, uh, from battery power to solar power. And it is um, definitely something we're going to keep our eyes on. Also, don't forget, this weekend we set the clocks back uh, on Sunday. So a lot going on this weekend. Lisa, thank you so much for joining us. It was a pleasure, as always. Thank you. Folks, find Lisa on YouTube as well as her website, lisahaven.news. And Immensely popular. It yeah, really, we follow her. Really is. We yep. watch her videos regularly, and it's always a pleasure to have her on the show. We are up against our break. We'll be back after these short messages. Don't go anywhere. You're listening to this Wednesday edition of the Hagman Report. Greenovative. Go to HagmanReport.com. Click on the link to Greenovative. What Greenovative is, it's a small company in Florida. They created something called the GMAG Power Cell. It produces electricity by adding salt water to this unit that recharges rechargeable batteries. It's the coolest thing you'll ever see in your life. It's really neat. Really a, a super device. All right, You need just two teaspoons of ordinary table salt, a little water, but a thing, you're charging your rechargeable batteries. Super GMAG chargeable is affordable. It's lightweight, weighs about 8 ounces. It's durable. It's EMP proof. And it's environmentally friendly. Yeah, that it is. It'll provide safe and convenient power for recharging uh, six AA batteries off the grid when other power sources aren't available anywhere, anytime, in any weather, day or night. Go to greenovative.com. That's greenovative.com. Folks, in these uncertain times, it just makes sense to have a sustainable backup method for accomplishing one of life's most important tasks, and that's preparing food. This is the way to go. There is nothing better than a Minuteman rocket stove from MinutemanStove.com. We all need a way to cook and a method to process water. I mean, think about it. Think about the many things that could happen to you. Minuteman rocket stove can provide your family or group the perfect solution. It's small, lightweight, wood-burning, and every bit as powerful as a kitchen stove. It's smoke 
helpless, fully self-contained for clean storage and transport. Because it's so efficient, it cuts down on your wood gathering and processing chores to a tenth what would be required if cooking the old-fashioned way over an open fire. So don't rely on gas or fuel stoves. Prepare your family. Prepare for yourself. Order a Minuteman rocket stove today. It's going to make bad times much better. Folks, MinutemanStove.com. MinutemanStove.com. Need I say more? You should have a Minuteman, the survival stove in an MOK. For investors, Timberland has become the symbol of safety. Global tropical timber demand continues to surge as the world's population increases. The need for managed, sustainable timber production forests has never been greater. When stock markets crash, trees keep growing. Direct ownership of fully managed tropical timberland acreage is now available to accredited investors. Prime, valuable hardwood groves close to the beautiful Costa Rican border generate and maintain superior long-term wealth. Consider visiting our forest plantations. Qualified, accredited investors should go to PreciousTimberProfits.com or dial 855-888-6288 for more information. Call 855-888-6288 or visit PreciousTimberProfits.com. This announcement does not constitute either an offer to sell securities or a solicitation of an offer to purchase. Offering made by prospectus only. 855-888-6288, PreciousTimberProfits.com. Precious. Just stand by. Hey, welcome back, folks, to this edition of the Hagman Report. Uh, we we have got just so much going on, uh, and coming up, just to give us uh, an update, some thoughts. A, a good friend of the program, someone who is really a, uh, a Christian warrior. Uh, a member of the Near East, or the founder of the Near East Center for Strategic Engagement, Sargas Sangari, you remember him. He's going to be coming up just momentarily, followed by Mr. Bill Martinez. But before we get into that, you know, one of the things, in this business especially, you're, and I know you are too, you're listening and watching to this, you're short on time, but you like to eat well. Maybe you have a family, maybe you've got uh, everyone's working in the house, going to school. What do you do for meals? Well, we found this fantastic uh, meal kit delivery service uh, called HelloFresh. HelloFresh is a meal kit delivery service that shops, they plan, they deliver your favorite step-by-step recipes, pre-measured ingredients, so you can just cook, eat, and enjoy. Let me tell you, the convenience is second to none. You can choose your delivery date for when it works best for your busy schedule. You can, and if you're going out of town, for example, you can pause the account for weeks at a time when you're out of town. They send you all of the ingredients that they come pre-measured in handy labeled meal kits so you know exactly which ingredients go with which recipe. It's delivered right to your door in recyclable insulated packaging. They're everything about this. My wife and I just love this meal kit delivery service, HelloFresh. It's the best of the best. They source the freshest of ingredients. They have a HelloFresh offers a wide variety of chef curated recipes and uh, changes weekly. Uh, the they've got three plans to choose from. By the way, a classic veggie and the family plan. We love the family plan because just just the way it is. The classic has a variety of meat, fish, and seasonal produce. The veggie, of course, is vegetarian recipes with plant based proteins. 
rains, seasonal produce. By the way, that's my sister-in-law's favorite, the veggie. It seems like everyone in our family has a favorite. And then the family, um, the family plan, it's quick and easy meals with all of the yum-worthy flavor the whole family will love. This is HelloFresh. It's the greatest uh, meal kit delivery service out there. Joe, I mean, Joe, you, look, you're a, you're a consumer, right? Oh, absolutely. I, uh, and, and my wife and I love the fact that we are, are saving money and there is really nowhere else you can find food where you can have fresh balanced dinner for less than $10 a meal. And we love the, the, uh, the range of their meals. Uh, we love not having to lug the groceries from the grocery store and all the ingredients are in there and it's so much fun to make and it comes right to our door. And you know what? Since Eric has has just pushed away his bachelorhood, <laughs> and, and Jackie has done the same, except on the female side. Uh, I know Eric is, uh, and Jackie love it too. Uh, Eric, pipe in here. Tell me your thoughts on HelloFresh. Well, both Jackie and I dislike grocery shopping. Um, HelloFresh has saved us the hassle. It's a big time saver for us because we're always out and about. Um, and we're saving a lot of money, but not ordering out because of the convenience that HelloFresh gives us. Uh, I mean, okay. we love it. Yeah, you know, and so so this is a family affair. I, you know, I couldn't hear you, Eric. Was that by design or is that? Uh, okay, all right, that's good. But 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 you know what? Look, HelloFresh is the place to go for your meal kit, and it's a time saver. It's a money saver. It's a quality. It's quality ingredients. You've got the flexibility everywhere, and we love it. And and we love, we can't wait till we get the, the the package delivered door door. Here's the deal now. This is the deal offered by the Hagman Report. Here's the deal for thirty dollars off your first week of HelloFresh. Just go to HelloFresh.com and enter the the promo code Hagman thirty. That's for thirty dollars off your first week of HelloFresh. Visit HelloFresh.com and enter the promo code. Hagman 30. It's right there up on the screen, by the way. It's, it's a special offer and it's, you, you can't beat it. And it, trust me when I tell you, your wife or husband will love you for it. The uh, meals are fantastic. The ingredients are great. By the way, we just had the chicken, the, uh, here the, not too long ago and, uh, you'll never get tired of the different recipes. HelloFresh.com, promo code Hagman 30. Jackie, Eric, Joe, we're all consumers. We all love it. Now, a very special treat for us. Lieutenant Colonel Sargas Sangari, Near East Center for Strategic Development. Thanks for chiming in with us, uh, Lieutenant Colonel Sargas Sangari. Thank you so much for uh, joining us tonight. Uh, how you been? Because we, we last, we last met together in, um, May. We got together and you provided us with a critical status update of things that, that were taking place. I've been pretty good, guys. Uh, I've been very busy, as you know. Neri still uh, uh, doing his job as far as trying to uh, inform what is happening in Iraq. Uh, specifically, we met a number of times since with the National Security Council. I think we're going to be going back again to brief him. Uh, things have changed a little bit more, more for a positive for the Christians. Unfortunately, now the Sunni Muslim Kurds and also the Iraqi army are going to fight it out again. Uh, probably even tonight in um, uh, the Assyrian-held uh, towns and villages and Assyrian number plane. So you might see uh, information coming across the wires probably over the next 12 hours that our major fighting has broken out between the Iraqi army forces and the Kurdish regional government. 
forces to Peshmerga given the fact that the referendum was just an absolute failure. So that place is constantly unstable. We've been pushing with the National Security Council to not just uh, uh, advocate for, but empower uh, the Assyrian Christians to be able to have, in accordance with the Iraqi Constitution, their own state slash region and get direct funding for their forces uh, in Assyrian and plan to try to protect the root of Christianity. And uh, since then, um, uh, I, I know I haven't told you guys, but I've been I, I put in my hat to run for the ninth congressional district out of Illinois. Uh, so uh, we've been collecting signatures. Filing dates are on the 27th of filing month, and uh, I'm the Republican representative right now uh, going ahead uh, trying to get the congressional seat for next year in Congress. Really? That's fantastic. Okay. Um, just to be clear, the 9th Congressional District, Illinois, you're, you, you tossed your hat in the ring. No, the, the primaries are when? Uh, next? next. The, the primaries on the 20 March okay. of 2018, and the general election is going to be on uh, 6 November 2018. So hopefully uh, we get into Congress and uh, we'll make changes there. You know, three years of doing what I've been doing with the Near East Center for Strategic Engagement, uh, dealing with some of the issues we've been dealing with, I realize that um, unless you're in the system, it's very difficult to get this thing managed. So, you know, we just got tired of uh, um, constantly going to D.C., realizing that people are just not doing their homework uh, or doing their job, and finally it became a critical issue just uh, uh, this past month when I had the State Department folks meet me here in uh, Chicago for a 45-minute briefing, and I realized that the documents that were given to them six months ago, they hadn't even looked at. So, uh, you know, uh, it, though the days of just allowing uh, people not to do their job is over. And um, I, I said, you know, we have to have a voice in uh, Congress, and uh, we have to be able to uh, at least uh, try to do something to get America moving on the right track again. Well, I'll tell you what, we are going to support you the best way we can, and we're going to urge everyone in your voting district to support you as well, because this is exactly what we need. Now, getting back to the uh, updates here, and what's disturbing to me, what you just said about uh, providing information and no one is well, you're not getting people to look at it or respond to it, react to it. That's still going on despite the change of administrations. Is that what you're? Is that what I'm hearing? Um, it is. It's turned for the better because the administration really wants to do something for the Syrian Christians. But the State Department system still hasn't changed. The two individuals I met here from the State Department, um, both of them um, had given money to the uh, uh, Clinton's run uh, during the presidential election. So you're talking to individuals who uh, gave money uh, to the Clinton administration, uh, you know, for her for her uh, run as a presidency. They're still in the system because you can't purge the entire system from the personnel that are there. It takes time to uh, build the State Department folks Um a lot of the um, uh, individuals, younger talent is leaving. A lot of the older ones are retiring. Uh, so you're kind of stuck. Uh, the system is a system. Um, our hope is that, you know, new fresh blood comes in. It takes time to train those folks. 
one of the problems we have, especially with vetting processes of individuals that are coming to this uh, country. You know, you're at the 10% capacity. A lot of those uh, vetting uh, that takes place at the uh, uh, consulates or even at the embassy, you're looking at, at an average three-minute interview with some of the folks that are trying to enter our country. And that's not good overall. Uh, the problem is it takes time to purge the system, clean it, and uh, it's not going to be done uh, overnight. It might take almost eight years just to be able to point it in the right direction, let alone just clean it and set it in the right position. Okay. And, and that doesn't make sense. Uh, I, I do understand that, and I think most people do understand that as well. Now, the the effect that you're having, and, and, and folks, Lieutenant Colonel Sargasangari, the Near East Center for Strategic Engagement, in fact, you can go to nec-se.com. That's his website. Read all about what they are doing, what uh, Sargas is doing, uh, the difference that they're making, and the advances that they're making to protect the uh, the Christians in uh, uh in, in in the war torn areas and you you we met by the way uh personally Joe and I met with uh lieutenant colonel uh in may it was and you shared some some just some incredible information that we we obviously you couldn't you can't share publicly uh some incredible information as to the, the, really, the difference that you're making, that your organization's making, that the, the, the fighting that's that's going on, and the wins, and the advances you're making. Um, what's the biggest in in a few minutes here that we've got? What is the biggest win, I guess, or victory um, that that you could tell us about? And on the other side of that, what's the most challenging issue that you've got that you're dealing with right now? The biggest victory is that. Currently, I can tell you the administration now is really looking at the Christians as being a viable voice in the equation in the Middle East, especially in Iraq, if, if not in, even in Syria. Uh, we've tried everybody downrange. They all fail. They all have one thing in common, whether it be the Sunni Muslim Kurds, the Sunni Muslim Arab uh, Shia, or, or the Sunni Muslim uh, Shia. They, they all have one thing in common. doesn't matter what umbrella name you put them. You can't get where you need to be. They either turn their back on you, as Barzani did on our ambassador, and started making deals with the Russians um, to promote his wants and desires in the region. Uh, it, you know, or whether or not they uh, just basically take your money and they don't support your efforts. We need to have individuals who believe in democracy, who believe in the values that America believes in, and are willing to protect those values, even if they are not from the United States. And I think those type of individuals being inherent in the uh, fabric of uh, the the uh, this so-called enduring partnership that we have tried to set up for the past four years now uh, with the United States and country will alleviate a lot of these issues that we have with terror attacks and everything else that happens. It will alleviate the issues with vetting. Uh, so that has been a positive with USAID now coming in saying we're going to directly start supporting the Christians. Uh, you know, not having to go through the UN is a positive for us. It's not trying to sink the system to support it. And as I said, the system 
friction points are where our biggest issues are. And that's one of the reasons I decided to get into Congress to be able to fix those system problems that I've seen over the past four years and even over the past 22 years serving my country uh, in the U.S. Army Infantry and Special Operational Forces. And, and folks, we need to get behind Lieutenant Colonel Sargas Singari. Of course, go to the, his website. In fact, it's up there on the, uh, on the, uh, if you're watching this live via YouTube, Near East Center for Strategic Engagement. That's NEC-SE. Uh, Lieutenant Colonel, we really appreciate you popping in just for this very brief amount of time, but we want to invite you back for a longer period. Uh, to get into the really the nuts and bolts of things, because what we saw, what Joe and I saw uh, when we met in person in May, um, it just blew us away. It really, I mean, I, I still think about what, what what I saw, and and everyone needs or you need everyone's support. I really believe that your your initiatives, your operations, we need to be backing you up. And and uh, in closing, what's the best way people can help you? Where can people go to uh, to provide an assist for you? Uh, for us, the best way to help is uh, with United Australian Appeal. You know, we have full majority of our forces off the battlefield. Um, because of the fighting, if you don't want to choose between fighting for the Iraqi army or the Peshmerga as they're killing each other. So we pulled the majority of them off. We told the uh, National Security Council in 4 May when we were there at the same time that President Trump was signing the uh, new executive order, giving a little bit more freedom for the uh, religious institutions to support even uh, candidates like me who are uh, looking at running for Congress. Uh, we told them that we're going to pull the majority of our guys off the battlefield. However, they need to provide for their families to build those coffers. The fact that we may have to bring him back soon, and hopefully this time uh, with a stronger support from the U.S., uh, United Assyrian Appeal is very much helpful to us. Those dollars still allow us to get to D.C., have the meetings that we need to have, uh, and be able to at least promote the unity of effort that we've been doing with the multi-forces now in the uh, in Iraq. The other piece for me is, uh, personally, if people want to support, uh, they can now go to Vote Singiri, and that's Vote Singiri, hashtag Vote Singiri. Uh, we do uh, need also money for my congressional run, uh, so if anybody wants to help with that, much appreciated. So you get two ways of helping us there, and the biggest thing for us is be an advocate for the Assyrian uh, Christians in Iraq, and pray for them, uh, because Amen. it's going to be tough for them. Amen, brother. Uh, we will be promoting that, uh, of course, your congressional run for the 9th District of Illinois. We're going to be urging everyone to support you there. And, of course, the uh, United uh, Syrian Appeal. Um, we're going to be sending people there as well, urging support there. And, and again, uh, please come back with us, spend some time, and we'll discuss the the, the more uh, intricate details of what's really taking place, the wins, the losses, the challenges, and other things. But, again, uh, Lieutenant Colonel Sargas Sangari, thank you so very much for your gift of time. Thank you, guys. God bless, and uh, hope we can see each other soon again. Yes. And maybe this time in D.C. Perhaps, uh, and we love that. God bless you, my friend. And, uh, folks, <laughs> a great man, a great man. We met him in person, and I can tell you right now, he is, uh, well, perhaps one of the, uh, one of the most fearless men I've ever met. 
and uh, God-fearing men that uh, I've ever met. And he certainly is his organization, and now his congressional run. What a, what a treat! Speak, yeah. you know, speaking of treats, Joe, we have Bill Martinez coming up right now, uh, and I want to thank Bill McIntosh from Acosta Media. Uh, what a, what a great guy Bill McIntosh is. Of course, Acosta Media is where you want to go. Keep keep their number. Write their number down. Acosta Media. Write Bill's the Macintosh's name and number down. If you've got a church, a conference, speaking event, and you need you need a speaker, this is the guy to talk to. Bill McIntosh, Acosta Media, and we'll put a link in the uh, in, in our program description because he's got the best of guests. And speaking of the best of guests, Bill Martinez. If you haven't heard of him, uh, look, I listened to his program. In fact, today I think he had Bill Kill uh, or. Um, uh, Brian Kilmeade on today. I, I, I'm not. I'm not sure. If, was it anyway? Uh, but Bill Martinez is the host of Bill Martinez Live. It's a syndicated radio program in nearly 300 markets across America. It's it's taking the uh, radio industry by storm. He's got experience in both broadcasting on radio and TV, in station management, marketing during the, his 45 year broadcasting career. He's worked at, uh, uh, with broadcast legends, for example, Wolfman Jack. Um, and, and I could, I, I could spend all day reading his resume, but rather than do that, visit BillMartinezLive.com. That's his website and check him out. He's ready to go with us. Yeah. Let's bring him on. Mr. Bill Martinez, welcome to the Hagman Report. Hey, good to be here with you. How you guys doing? Man, We're you got great. great, you got a great radio voice. Yeah. <laughs> Not really. I'm gonna... I, I, I am so, it's so inside of me and, and I hear that from time to time and it's just, uh, you know, it's just, it's just what it is. You know how that goes. Well, I, I gotta tell you, Mr. Martinez, I, I've been stalking you. Okay. Not, not really. Not really. Um, I've, I've been listening to you. I, I've been, uh, following your work and, and what a fantastic program you've got and what a lot of information you provide to your listeners. And it's no wonder that you are just taking the entire radio industry by storm. Uh, so thank you for that. Thank you providing, for, for providing me, uh, my show prep often. So well, that's very that's very kind of you. I I I got to say, well, you know, in, in the resume, I mentioned the legendary Chuck Bloor, and what Chuck used to tell us in Los Angeles when I worked for Kiss Radio, and he was a programming consultant. And Chuck goes back for those that are kind of radio geeks and been around for a while, they might understand and appreciate color radio in Los Angeles at the time. It uh, talk about taking the market by storm. It was incredible. And Chuck's uh, philosophy was every time you opened the microphone, it was your duty to elicit a positive emotional response. And I, I tell you, uh, that is held with me. That's one of those, you know, mentor sayings that you hold on to. And so even to this day, uh, I, I hold on to that. I'm trying to bless our audience and, and even with your audience right now, it's okay. What can I do to add to your day? And, uh, make it better as a result of, uh, you know, the interaction that we enjoy, whether we do it with experts or commentary, you know, whatever it is we're looking to add to people's day. Absolutely. And, you know, as we were just talking about with our last guest, Lisa Haven, our hour one guest, about, mm-hmm. as she is in the, the alternative media, um, yeah, I want to ask you this question because you have a lot of experience inside the, the world of radio and, uh, TV stations. The mainstream media seems to be so far removed from reality. They're obviously very agenda-driven, politically motivated, and they have 
in my opinion, have removed themselves so far away from the reality that most Americans understand that they are, again, it's, it's all politically motivated. Do you believe that the American people are seeing through the, the bias that the media holds today? Yeah, look at their ratings. <laughs> That's perfect. It's a perfect case in point. Look at what happened with Donald Trump in November. They totally uh, missed the whole cue. Look at the NFL. Uh, they're missing it time and time again. Main Street America is waking up, realizing that this is a government of for, by, we, the people. And what that means is that we have the government that we have because that's who we chose. And so in November, the people said, time to change, really seriously. And uh, they announced this in the voting booths across the country. I know Hillary still is trying to figure it out. She's asking what happened. Uh, you know, LeBron James in Cleveland is asking what happened. Well, the fact is you lost. Uh, that's the simple order. But the other thing is you got to go back to the fundamentals. And when it comes to journalism and news reporting, your reason to exist is to document history. If you fail to do that, if you uh, abandon that core principle, you're going to pay the price. I mean, look at newspapers across the country. I mean, they are a shell of, of themselves. I mean, before, you know, they were so thick, uh, they owned the markets. Today, it's like, oh my goodness, you know, you, you can't even, you can't even throw the paper anymore because it's so light, the wind will pick it up and send it right back at you. I, I know on my paper route, uh, I, 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 I can't stand it. I gotta walk it. I'm, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's a good observation. Well, it, it, Mr. Martinez, again, Bill Martinez is our guest. Yeah, please call, call me Bill. It makes, it makes it too formal, you know? It's, okay. Uh, please. Well, okay. Right. Thank you. All right, Bill. Yeah, uh, Bill Martinez Live, by the way, dot com. Bill Martinez Live dot com is, uh, Bill's website. Now, Bill, uh, look, so much is going on right now. And, and I know you're on top of, you're on top of so much here. If you don't mind, let's kind of get into uh, what happened in New York yesterday. Because, man, um, uh, as if we didn't see this coming, right? Uh, what are your thoughts on this whole mess that we saw in New York? I mean, we uh, eight dead. Uh, Eleven injured. Eleven plus, yeah, injured. Injured, yes, right, yeah. exactly. So, yeah. so, so uh, and, and here we find out that... Um, you know, this guy was brought into the country through the diversity visa program, the Chuck Schumer Act, if you will, or the Schumer Act. His name, it's a very name in Arabic, means sort of Allah. I mean, how did this guy get in? Not how did he get in. Why was he allowed to stay? Especially after we find out that he was interviewed by the FBI back in 2015. What's going on here? Well, that's what happens time and again is that uh, so often you hear after the fact, well, this guy was on our radar and they just couldn't move. And something has to happen in terms of the line of defense. But let's go back to the beginning and what Chuck Schumer did. And, and this happens, unfortunately, in our government is when they see something not working, what do they do? They double down on it. They cover up. They misrepresent it. And, uh, you know, up until yesterday, nobody heard about a diversity program. What basically this comes down to, especially in light of the current culture, and the environment that we live in, not just in America, but around the world, is that this really amounts to nothing more than kind of a, a, an immigration roulette. Because, you know, there's some minor vetting. I've got to look into this a little bit more as to the amount of vetting. But basically, this guy didn't come in as a doctor. He wasn't highly skilled. It was a low-level deal. I mean, look at his job. He was an Uber driver. We've got poor people out there that would love to be working for Uber and, and making money 
as an Uber driver. This guy is an Uber driver. I mean, so it's not like he's so critical to uh, the American economic system that we just had to let him in along with, uh, you know, four, you know, 4,000, almost 5,000 other, uh, or 50,000, so 49,999 immigrants who come in, and uh, this is a poor representation and a poor poster child for the whole program. I, I don't know how they, how you know, how they support this. So here we are at, because of the globalist and this idea, including the Bushes, which I'm very disappointed on, you know, we already knew that Obama was this way, these no-border type politicians, and to what degree, you know, you get Donald Trump coming in and asking, you know, he's asking the same question that Main Street America is asking, and even, you know, Kate Steinle's parents are asking is how does somebody who is a uh, an illegal immigrant and even take it a step further in California, who has five felonies, uh, ends up with a gun and kills their daughter. Mm-hmm. And we see John McCain uh, just recently gave a speech. I'm not sure where it was. It was to a number of uh, military personnel or cadets where he mm-hmm. said we have to abandon, I forget the exact word he used, was it reckless nationalism or extreme nationalism? Yeah. And right. he calls for open borders. Uh, and we see this as just a continuation of what we saw under Barack Obama. Um, what, do you know any offhand any of the policies that were enacted under Obama that uh, expanded the bringing of the refugees in here? I, I think at every turn he did that. Yeah. Mean, no, I know there's a lot. <laughs> well, first of all, they broke the law. They were breaking the law constantly, and then they, you know, the thing is so ironic about this is they 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 break the law three ways to Sunday when it comes to immigration, and then they have the audacity to go out and tell you, well, the immigration system's broken. Well, no kidding, you guys broke it, and now you act as if, uh, you know, because you admitted that it's it, it's flawed. It's it's kind of the Hillary Clinton defense program is that once you mention it, then it's old school. And why are you bringing it up? Why are you why do you want to hold me accountable? That's already been settled, which ironically. Uh, that works for them, even if it's something that uh, has happened only a couple of weeks ago. That's old news. You know, why are you bringing that up? But yet, when they uh, talk about a guy like Paul Manafort and something that happened 13 years ago, it's like, oh, this is fresh bacon. Exactly. Go ahead. Uh, you were going to say something? Yeah. You're, you're exactly right. And, and, you know, immigration is, the purpose of immigration, legal immigration, is so, is, is to improve our country. I said that on my morning show. Uh, exactly. it, 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 not emphasize diversity, period. And, and this is what we're seeing. So, so you're, you are precisely correct in this. Um, but, but how, you know, everyone's talking about extreme vetting. How do you even how do you even do basic vetting with somebody from well, that's, my, that's my point forget about extreme vetting how about just vetting right and let's go back to your point earlier when it comes to immigration you want people who are going to assimilate somebody like even after World War II we were selective as to who came into the United States it wasn't just open borders time it was like look at we need we needed some scientists we needed innovation and look what happened as a result of of vetting and and strategic immigration policy, we 
we went skyrockets. I mean, we were able to, um, it first started with a vision from the president, John Kennedy, saying, hey, look, at, let's land a man on the moon. And he gave America a vision, and we were able to realize that, you know, within 10 years. I mean, kind of, kind of amazing that it starts with a vision, then you support it with policy and with people who can affect that. But if you're just open borders and you're leaving yourself, it's, it's kind of like my old mentor, what he used to say, he said, Bill, you can be so open-minded that your brains fall out. And to me, this is what the elites have introduced to America, is America's brains are falling out, except for Main Street. Because Main Street doesn't, they don't pull any punches. And if you have any doubt, just go to a coffee shop in small town America, pull up a table, have a mini town hall meeting, and, uh, you know, get uh, get shaken into reality real quick. Because they'll pull no punches. They'll tell you exactly like it is. Precisely. Absolutely. And, you know, with the what we've seen with the immigration in the past versus the immigration today. We talked about this on our earlier show. You know, you had groups of people coming over here, um, had similar views on family, uh, even though the the cultures were different, but they they assimilated into America. They became part of the working class, and they they were used to build, you know, the the skyscrapers, the the roads, and so much more, Um, no matter, you know, on, on which area of the world they came from. Today, it's a whole different kind of immigration that we see, and from really from different areas, and what what's unsettling is we see the Arab Spring under Barack Obama, where the Middle East is torn apart again into mm-hmm. civil war, and then we turn around and we bring you know hundreds of thousands of of these refugees not only in, into Europe but into the United States, and then we see this turnover where we have all these terror attacks increasing in Europe and increasing in the United States. But what's unfortunate about that is that. Uh, for whatever reason, these people don't want to learn from their mistakes, and they don't want others to be able to fix them, like Donald Trump trying to implement a, a temporary travel ban, trying well, to you, you change. Go back, go back and take a look at what the what the initial motivation is all about. Uh, I, I mean, I know this is hard for people to understand and get their brain around because they can't re- they, they just cannot grasp that people would be this diabolical that they're so concerned. And I'm talking about the Democratic Party. They're so concerned about getting reelected that they're willing to sell the very soul of this country out for being you know for getting reelected. Okay, number one, the people who come in. I'm talking about the ones like the gentleman who uh, did all the damage in New York um, yesterday. Uh, He's coming in with with an ideal to disrupt and destroy everything that is America. America, by its virtue sta- virtue of standing and existence for 240 plus years, is a stick in the eye to all these oligarchs that say, "Look at this is what happens if you're God fearing. If you follow godly laws and morality, you can have this kind of country and this kind of freedom and liberty." That absolutely brain damages these oligarchs and these uh, despots that want to keep the thumb of oppression upon their people. And the people want, you know, they see what's happening in here, America, but unfortunately, you've got some that have been radicalized that because of our culture, and they can justify it religiously, and say, you know, these guys are the devil incarnate. Look at what's going on in their country. They've got, uh, you know, producers from a major movie house violating women and all this stuff. And, and the thing is, it's ironic about that. Yes, on one hand, it's true. On the second hand, you guys are doing it just as badly. But, you know, the Harvey Weinsteins and, and the others uh, in this world that are yet to be exposed, the Bill Cosby's and that, aren't, um, 
you know, aren't doing it in the name of religion, and they're not saying that they're being religious in doing this, whereas, you know, the Muslims, they say, look, at uh, Allah gives them the right to do this. I mean, it's pretty goofy when you think about it. Uh, but yet they, they want to come here, and as many Muslims have told me directly, they said, you know, we actually have more liberty in practicing our faith the way we believe we should practice our faith in America than we do uh, back in the Middle East. So go figure. Exactly, and yet they come here and they try to destroy the very system that is giving them that that very freedom, as you as you pointed out, which doesn't make doesn't make any sense whatsoever. But but they're ideologically fixed, and what happens here, and what concerns me, is that again, this is up for you know these moderate these alleged moderate Muslims who are here in the country. And how are you supporting America? Have you assimilated or are you uh, participating in these no-go zones that we have well-established? Are you participating and being a part of the problem because you're part of the, what, 1,000 open investigations that the FBI is handling on on radicalized Muslims? I mean, they can't keep up with it. It's overwhelming. You know, it's like Condoleezza Rice said many years ago, you know, we have to be right 100% of the time. They only have to be right once, like this guy yesterday. Absolutely, Precisely. Bill. I want to. I want to just ask you this about what, what's your feelings about the FBI right now? Have they been compromised with, um, you know, the the uh, Clinton, Trump, Russia investigations, and what we've seen recently, even with the Las Vegas lack of information that that they have shared with the American public, and we can go on and on with examples. Yeah. But I think in the in the eyes of the American people who have been paying attention, that they. Um, are not as credible as they are anymore. What's your feelings on that? I agree with them. I agree with what the people are saying. Yes, uh, they they are they have lost faith, and it started with James Comey with what he did uh, in presenting the case against Hillary Clinton, and it comes out after the case, and he says no no reasonable prosecutor. Well, let me tell you, I've spoken to at least a dozen prosecutors, and they say we we must be one of the unreasonable prosecutors because <laughs> we in that case in a heartbeat, you know. Exactly. <laughs> so. Uh, so yeah, they they lost credibility, and the thing is that always throws up a flag for me is when and and don't ever say this about me, please, because I don't want any flags thrown up. He's a nice guy, and he's apolitical, and he's integrous. As soon as somebody says that, I'm going, who are you trying to convince? And when they talked about James Comey, it was always that mantra about him. And what are we finding out now? I mean, this guy broke the law in order to get his buddy. Mueller brought in as a special prosecutor so that they could control the chips on the table. The chips are a mess right now. It does not look good. The FBI looks bad. Many former FBI, I just spoke with John Guandolo this morning when we went at length into this whole situation. As a former FBI agent, there are many that are really embarrassed. This, this has tarnished everything that they stood for and believed in. And they'll be quick to tell you that there are thousands. You know, there there are thousands upon thousands of FBI agents that don't even, they're not in the inner circle. They're just about doing their business and doing the best they can. But uh, those, uh, the Rod Rosensteins, the Muellers, the Comeys, all those up in that in, in that level are all tainted right now, and they have misserved we the people. Amen to that. Folks, we're talking to Bill Martinez, BillMartinezLive.com, uh, Monday through Fridays, 9 to noon Eastern Time. You can get him on Genesis Communications Network, Shortwave Radio, uh, a number of platforms, Bill Martinez Live. And, and I've got to tell you, if you've never heard any of his programs, you've got to listen to them. They're, they're fantastic. And they're archived, correct? Uh, yeah. And I, I'll, 
Oh, right. I'm sorry, Bill, but just on a site, I want to say this. If you go on a site and scroll down a little bit, you can get a breakdown of, of the show, what was on today, oh, yeah. who was on, what times they were on, so you can skip ahead if there's something special you want to listen to or a, a certain guest. And I really like that about uh, Bill's show. Yeah. Thank you. It's fantastic. And, and syndicated 300, 300 stations and, and going strong and even, uh, even, uh, t- well, taking the entire uh, media landscape by storm. Um, okay, so, one thing I, I wanted to ask you about this because we're, we're seeing dueling narratives, it seems like. Um, and I know we're jumping around a little bit, but uh, I guess that's just because of my ADD problem. But uh, <laughs> uh, the, we're seeing dueling narratives with respect to. Um, I turn on MSNBC, which I really don't, but if I have to, mm-hmm. it's all Russia, Trump all the time. I turn on Fox, it's all, uh, or it's it's uh, it's more to the. Uh, Russian collusion with Hillary Clinton and Uranium One. Uh, right. So, w- what what are you following here, and and what, what's what's really what's really going on here? I, and that's kind of like an open ended question, but uh, direct me, help me out, help me understand really the bigger picture here. Well, th- this is the opportunity for show, shows like ours. We're in, you know, we're independent as you are, uh, not beholding to an entity, to a, uh, an editorial staff that says, oh, you can't talk about this. In fact, it's kind of comical. I've had so many guests on going, you can talk about that? You can ask that kind of question? I go, well, yeah. And he goes, he goes, yeah, like one guest told me, he said, I've been on a thousand radio shows and they wouldn't touch that with a 10 foot pole. And I go, well, you know, we're pursuing the truth no matter where it leads. Uh, that is really our heart and our passion because that's what we need to do is get the facts out in the open. Let's get the truth out in the open. And, and part of the stuff that you have, the dynamic that goes on when he said, she said, or, you know, the thing that drives me crazy is they go, well, you think the Democrats are bad? Look what the Republicans did. Look at that doesn't answer the problem. We know it's bad. It, uh, when it comes to the wackiness of the political system, uh, it's equal opportunity. The Beltway is a mess. It is run by elites. The establishment, you know, Trump talks about it in terms of the swamp. And, um, you know, I think a lot of Republicans and independents thought, oh, well, that they meant just Nancy Pelosi and, and Chuck Schumer. But what they're finding out is that, look, at we've got establishment types you know, operating in the GOP as well because they're unnerved. They cannot believe that somebody out of, uh, you know, out of uh, the political empire has come in and didn't pass go, didn't collect $200, didn't come in as a, uh, you know, as a congressman, but went straight to the Oval Office. I mean, and, and they, what they forget in part was there was a junior senator by the name of Barack Obama out of Chicago, didn't even serve an entire term, went straight into the, uh, the Oval Office and had never signed the front of a check. Only signed the back of a check. <laughs> now we've got a true CEO coming into place and he is shaking things up. And for so long, you got these elites making lots of money. They love the incompetence of the government and they've been having their way. But now all of a sudden, you've got a, you've got a true CEO in the White House that is calling the question. I mean, a real simple thing. I mean, you go in there and you find you got 17 agencies and you're going, who's the boss? Well, I don't know. What, what do you do? Who's accountable? I don't know. 17 agencies and all the people's money going pow-mow, being wasted away, and we keep counting uh, $20 trillion and more every day because of this inefficient government. Uh, absolutely. 
You're 100% correct, and I think it's refreshing to see, by the way, uh, Donald Trump in there. And the, the, the change of pace. Yeah. The change of pace. Well, yeah, the advances he's made, the, the numbers, if, if you look at the, the, the um, uh, growth, the economic growth, the jobless rates. They said he would never, he said 3%. They said probably the following year, not within the first couple months of his administration. And then on top of that, if you remember, anytime Barack Obama got a number and they go, Oh, well, we got to adjust the number. It always went down, right? It never went up. But with Trump, he's at 3.0, and they go, oh, we uh, we got to adjust it. So you're waiting for the drum roll and and the disappointing number to come out, and they go, it actually went up at 3.1. We haven't, we haven't seen that in a long time. That's right. Yeah, from what I understand, uh, during Obama's uh, administration, you had an average of, what, 1, 1.5% growth, which is equivalent to the growth during the Great Depression after 1929, and then for the last two months, you've had Trump at over uh, 3.0, which is a huge improvement. And as you just said, many people did not expect to see that for a while, if at all, under Trump, and weren't even sure that it was possible again. But the and, the, and, let's, and let's say that that is done with fires in the West and two hurricanes. All that's right? true. Now, now, some people can say, "Well, we got infrastructure." Well, the infrastructure aspect hasn't really taken effect yet. This is just Donald Trump as the CEO coming in, allowing people to dream again. The lid has been taken off, and 3.0, I really, I, I think we're going to hit four and four, four and a half much faster than anybody realized. I, this is uh, like, I think you look at what happened, what's happening in the stock market. How many consistent weeks of increase have we enjoyed? It's at an all-time high. And a lot of this is writing, writing, writing on the enthusiasm. I've spoken to a half dozen bankers and they say, Bill, our small business openings are off the charts right now. People are mortgaging their homes. They're dreaming again. I mean, my goodness, it was so bad there. I mean, think about it. Kids couldn't even open up a lemonade stand under the Barack Obama administration and all the regulations. I mean, it's pretty disgusting when you think about it. Absolutely. Um, you know, you're absolutely correct, and and the confidence is back. And I remember the, um, and I'm sure you do too, uh, the um, the Reagan days, the early Reagan days. It's morning in America again, and that feeling that 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 America had, uh, all of America had way back when. And and I feel the, the, there's that that familiar uh, feeling of 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 hope and and growth. That, that we're experiencing right now. I, I just, I, however, however, are, are we not seeing him in, in being imperiled by, by this uh, globalist agenda to take him out? Uh, uh, and do you, th- do you think there's going to be uh, any success in uh, scarring or stopping or impeding his uh, presidency? Well, they've already done that. They've had some success in doing that. But in spite of that, I say putting a stick in his spokes. You know, I used to say that in business as you get these people that come alongside in any kind of company that you work for, and they're just resistant to change. And what do they do? They sabotage you at every turn. But uh, Donald Trump is very well focused. And I think, you know, the people that he has around him in his inner circle understand there's a role for them to play. They're not the president. They're not the CEO of the United States uh, or the commander in chief. It is Donald Trump. And some of these guys are realizing, look it, they're coming alongside filling the void, filling the need that is required for Donald Trump to be effective. I mean, you, you think about, uh, you know, John Ken, uh, Kelly and, and Mattis. I mean, Kelly was so impressive after that, uh, 
hoopla about um, David Johnson and his, you know, his wife sadly and his his death and uh, and, and the unfortunate circumstance uh, to me that I think is unconscionable uh, with with uh, Frederica Wilson, what she did. She's there with a constituent in her voting district. The president of the United States uh, sets aside time to grieve with that widow. She may she may have understood misunderstood, and I and I I've said this to my audience is look at if you've been in the military, I'm a former Marine. You understand when somebody says this is what you signed up for, because you know, and when you think about it, only about one percent of of uh, America's citizens have been in the military. That's all that serves one percent because we are an all volunteer force. So. Most people would not understand the concept of this is what he signed up for. You know, for people that have been in the military, let me tell you what, that speaks directly to our heart and soul. And it just hoorahs us together. You know, it, it is, it is, um, it, it is, it is commentary. It is language to our spirit that we understand. Somebody, including a congresswoman or somebody who has not served may think that's a bit harsh. But they don't understand. It, you know, John Kelly, when his um, his officer uh, who had to give him the news, a friend of his, about the passing of his son, the death of his son, he understood what that meant, and that was a, that was special terminology, and that's what he shared with the president. And the president took the counsel of John Kelly, and I I just cannot believe in any form or fashion and, and not that I'm personal friends with Donald Trump, but I believe I know the man's heart in this context and the way he's been to support the military. He had no intent, no evil intent in his heart to wound this widow to do any harm. And when you hear the other widows that spoke with Donald Trump, they were very respectful and blessed for him taking the time to call them up and speak to them directly. Yeah, exactly. And we see, you know, the the media, the people out there who are using every opportunity to try to criticize Trump uh, in every action that he's taking. And this was really one of them where they they went out of their way uh, to try to to make this, um, you know, about them and their agenda oh, when he was trying to just comfort sure. the family and making the call. And you know, we'd expect this on, on certain stories and whatnot. But when you're talking about a military family and Gold Star. Uh, mothers and conversations with the president to, to publicize this the way they did it was just um, so disrespectful. I I still can't believe that they did that. Yeah. Well, I I got a text from Charles Wood yesterday. Charles is the father of Ty Woods, one of the fallen men. He was a former SEAL at Benghazi, if you remember his name. Oh yes. And Charles, uh, his dad, who was an attorney out of Hawaii, texted me and said he was just he was so blessed because the president had sent him a message and said, we will not forget the sacrifice that your sons, those that have fallen, those have died in, in combat, we want you to know that we are there with you. I'll tell you, Charles was on my show. I, I talked to him, interviewed him today. He was so filled with tears and emotion and gratitude because the commander-in-chief let him know, as opposed to, what Barack Obama and Hillary Clinton did to them at the tarmac with their son's body in, uh, in, you know, in the casket telling them that it was about a video. Exactly. You know, you have, you know, and so by, you have that contrast 
with the president, Donald Trump. So going back to what you asked earlier in terms of the impedance that's taken place, it's all about this resistance to Donald Trump and what he can do. But people need to know this is how far gone our country was, uh, is that we were that far down the line that we're still dealing with, uh, you know, I call them hidden landmines that Barack Obama and his operatives who were still in government have left there to explode on Donald Trump. And they thought they had it down with this Russian story. And wouldn't you know it, you, you got you got to love God for this because God's not going <laughs> to let this kind of craziness go on. And the very thing that they intended for Donald Trump is now come home to roost right on their pumpkin heads. I, I love it, and I love your uh, statement here. National radio host for God, Life, Liberty, and the Pursuit of Happiness, uh, and that's uh, on your Twitter uh, page at uh, Bill Martinez Live, uh, and of course his website, Bill's website is BillMartinezLive.com. Listen Monday through Friday nine to noon. Uh, every well Monday through Friday nine noon on Genesis uh, Communications Network, uh, Bill. We only have about five minutes left of our time together, and you've been so gracious with your time because I know you're a busy guy, and uh, you put a lot into your programs. I could tell, man, you're, you're just you're on fire every day. Um, what is the what are you looking at now? It, it, it kind of in in the, in a broad form here, what are you looking at, and what concerns you the most in terms of what we're seeing today? Anything at all, everything, or what are you zeroing in on? If uh, is one of the, the the issues of concern that you might have. Well, what, what I'm focusing in on is that we have to get back to focus on the essentials here. We've been there's so many things to deal with. We we live in an information society. Um, we're bombarded with all kinds of information. That uh, I believe that because we're we're on information overload, we lose sight of the most important aspects of our society. And I believe the family which uh, Dr. James Dobson for many years had warned about that was under attack. And you look at uh, what what has gone on, the the core, you know, when we grew up, uh, you know, my, my dad was a World War II veteran, a medic. He served in the European theater uh, under uh, General Patton. Uh, and uh, it was, uh, you know, he, he came back from the war and, uh, you know, we had nine kids in our family when he passed 11 years ago. Uh, the legacy was incredible. Something like, uh, I think it was 53 grandkids and 30 some great, great grandkids. Wow. And my dad was one who, uh, believed in, uh, the greatness of our country. Uh, he believed in integrity. He lived it. Uh, and, you know, I always had this sense around my dad. My dad was just such a great man, such a loving man that when I looked into my dad's face, I always sensed this is the way God would look, just in terms of a pure aspect of of love toward his family. And we, we're missing that dynamic greatly. Uh, people are taking it for granted. They're not realizing the impact of the missing male in today's culture. And men need to stand up. They need to reclaim their position. Uh, you know, there has been, in, in the religious context, we talk about the Jezebel spirit, where the, there's been a woman a female hijacking of the culture and it has been at a great peril to the kids to women themselves and to men 
And they need to reclaim their manhood from the uh, corn purses of the feminists, if you know what I'm referring to. And uh, they've got them clipped in their coin purses, and the men need to step up. And it's not any big giant leap, because when you are operating in your rightful position, in much the same way as we the people, if we operate in the position, in that God-given position that's been well-established for us, that it's a government of, for, and by we the people, we're the authority position. But if you if you relinquish that authority, then you get the America that you have today. You have the families. If the men relinquish their authoritative and rightful positions, you have the dysfunctional families that we have today that harvest a guy like Harvey Weinstein and other uh, casting couch producers and, and those of their ilk that have done an incredible amount of damage to uh to not only women but young men i mean Corey feldman has been yelling about this for a long time and even barbara wawa couldn't handle it it just freaked her out but so nobody can sit there and say they were not aware of it they were aware of all this stuff they just took they just uh made a a a active choice to ignore it Amen. Wise words, uh, indeed. And I just want to say this as we come to a close with our time together. You had mentioned your father and, uh, I could sense the admiration that you had for your dad. Uh, my dad, uh, would have been 95 years old today. He served in the, uh, Pacific theater of operation as opposed to the European theater. And, uh, he sounded, he sent, sounds much like your father in terms of, uh, uh, his thoughts and beliefs, and he—I lost him 22 years ago. But uh, mm-hmm. uh, so, so, the, so there we have it too. The the difference in uh, uh, generational differences. But the uh, well, I just th- th- thank you for mentioning your father because it, it reminded me of my father as well. Okay. Uh, okay. Wow, BillMartinezLive.com. Bill, thank you so very much for your for your gracious gift of time with on our program we certainly will be telling everyone about your program we value it very highly you're an inspiration you're an informational asset out there to the american public and and to the world and we thank you for what you do well thank you you guys are doing a great job as well and it's an honor to be on your show i I appreciate the time well the honor is ours bill uh come back again when you have the time uh open invitation open door for you you got you got it take care guys thank Thank you. you so much all right brother that's Bill Martinez, Bill Martinez Live. What a, what a great man. And in the industry, Joe, the true professional in the industry. Absolutely. Um, that was a, a fantastic interview. It was a lot of fun. Yeah, uh, yeah. It was great give and take. He was very laid back and, and uh, very knowledgeable. Always fun to do interviews like that, especially with people in the media who are doing things for the right reason. And he is doing God, uh, life, and liberty. I mean, it's right there. Truth. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I want to thank Bill McIntosh, Acosta Media. Uh, special thanks to Bill McIntosh. Bill, thank you so much. You are a great guy for, uh, arranging that. We really appreciate all you do. Bill McIntosh, Acosta Media. God bless you, my friend. Folks, we're right back. Three minutes of that work break. Just what kind of thriller predicts the future? 
In three days in the belly of the beast, Daniel Holdings wrote about the God particle before CERN actually discovered the God particle. In As the Darkness Falls, Daniel wrote about an Islamist terrorist confederacy that rose up out of Syria and declared a caliphate three years before ISIS was ever heard of. In his newest novel, Between the Veil, Daniel talks about a space between dimensions where supernatural beings can walk. He says that these novels are a warning from the Creator to His creation. Will war come to America? Will the world's economies collapse? Are we looking at increased earthquakes and volcanic activity? Will the United States fall into civil war? You can find all of Daniel's work at his website, DanielHoldings.com. That's DanielHoldings.com. All of these things and more are talked about in Daniel's books. To find out what's coming next, go to DanielHoldings.com. Worldwide demand is making coconuts one of the highest-yielding cash crops available today. Coca-Cola, Pepsi, and many high-net-worth individuals have invested billions of dollars into coconuts for strong growth and solid long-term income. Yields could be as high as 18% or more per year. Capital appreciation and exceptional income for up to 60 long years would be an absolutely brilliant investment to pass on to future generations. Diversify wisely with direct ownership of fully managed coconuts on prime farmland close to the beautiful Costa Rican border. For more information, qualified accredited investors should go to ProfitsInCoconuts.com or phone 855-888-6288. That's 855-888-6288. This announcement does not constitute an offer to sell securities or a solicitation of an offer to purchase. Offer made by prospectus only. 855-888-6288 or visit ProfitsInCoconuts.com. ProfitsInCoconuts.com. You may never look at your city, town, or its people the same way ever again. Stained by Blood, a murder investigation based upon a true story by private investigator Douglas J. Hagman. Using the character Mark Stiles, Hagman takes you on a journey behind the scenes where the homicide becomes secondary to an underworld of satanic ritual abuse, child abduction, and even mind-controlled experimentation. For five years, a brutal killer remained on the loose, free to kill again. As Mark struggles to navigate the maze of bizarre twists and untangle a web of deeply hidden secrets kept by some of the most powerful and influential people in his community and beyond. Stained by Blood. Order your copy of this engaging novel today at HagmanandHagman.com and click on the link. Stained by Blood at HagmanandHagman.com and click on the link. Stained by Blood. Welcome to this edition of the Hagman Report. If it's uh, Wednesday night, we have a special standing order guest. You, you know, with all that's happening in the world today, you've got, the, of course, in the wake of the terrorist attack in New York City, you've got uh, the threat of war looming over us. You've got the radical progressive communist left uh, pushing forth. You've got... Uh, just any way you turn, everywhere you turn, there's news, there's bad news, there's oppressive news. It, it weighs on you physically, spiritually, emotionally. And, you know, it, it's one thing to listen. It's another thing to be involved. And we're involved in this to the extent where, uh, you know, we're talking with people who are 
at ground zero, perhaps, or or investigating ground zero. I mean, look, we're a month today, a month ago today, uh, that shooting in Las Vegas took place, taking 58-plus uh, lives. And we're no further today about the, the, with the truth than we were a month ago. And then, of course, yesterday, as I mentioned, New York City. So all of this. So how do you balance things? On a program like this, how do you balance things? I can't think of a better way to balance things than to bring on uh, just a tremendous scriptorian uh, uh, pastor, uh, David Langford, thevoiceofevangelism.com, to to give us kind of a, a B12 shot of spiritual energy, of inspiration, information, set us right with respect to what the Word says. And, and that's what I like to think. And Joe and Joe and I talked about it today. We like to, you know, and John too. We like to think of our program a little bit different because we do, uh, we do address the spiritual as well as the political and practical. And so with that, I want to give a warm welcome to our good friend, uh, Pastor David Langford, the voice of evangelism. Welcome. Thank you for that beautiful introduction tonight, Doug. Good to well, hear your voice and be with you on the program with uh, with us tonight. <laughs> it, it's it's great to have you. You know, it's 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 one of those times where I think people need uh, that that dose of spiritual uh, B twelve. I call it, and and I can't think of any better person to give it than than yourself. And I want to thank you for for joining us and ask you that ever uh, present question: Where what what would you like to address tonight? Where where do you want to start? You know, Doug, everyone in their walk with God, uh, we sometimes have failure. Sometimes we have utter and complete failure. Uh, I don't believe, I don't teach in sinless perfection, but I do believe you can live right for parenthetical time periods and never fall into sin. But of course, when we least expect it, Satan sets a plot a snare, a trap, and lures us into that. You know, when you read the New Testament, we don't find anywhere other than the Apostle Paul's admission that he was the chiefest of sinners. We don't see anywhere in the Scriptures he ever speaks of himself after his conversion of living a life of sin or backsliding. Not to say that he did not. We have no record of that. But especially in the Old Testament, we have much record with practically every uh, prominent uh, individual uh, that was in the Old Testament, from from Adam to Noah, uh, and he got drunk after he got off the ark, to Abraham, uh, the psalmist David, Moses. Uh, there's a litany of men who failed God, but they did not live lives of sin. They did not live in perpetuity of sin, but they would have a failure, a collapse. And for that reason, we all need a Savior. But I'm going to look at a particular verse tonight that I just felt led today to address that would might help people to understand their humanity and why we sometimes do struggle, we do grapple, and we do fall. Uh, we're not supposed to live in that state. If we do fall, we're supposed to get up, we're supposed to repent, make it right, and go on and be faithful, and hopefully that same sin or whatever that failure might be, we won't fall into that again. But that's where the blood of Jesus Christ and the grace of God saves us, redeems us, and keeps us 
and that state of grace. But Jesus, speaking of himself, in John chapter 14, verse 30, he said, Hereafter, I will not talk much with you, for the prince of this world cometh and hath nothing in me. That is one of the most profound statements that a mortal man has ever said. Now, Jesus was all God, yet Jesus was all man. Now, the fact that a child's blood comes from its father is the very reason why we as mortal creatures struggle. From the fall of Adam to this present day to the next child that will be born here tonight or the next minute, the next second, that child possesses an Adamic nature, a nature of sin. We all live under the curse of sin. But what I want you to understand, when Jesus said, for the prince, Satan, of this world cometh and hath nothing in me. Uh, Satan seeks a venue, he seeks an avenue in every one of our lives. This is why Jesus was conceived of the Holy Ghost and not a mortal, earthly, physical man. This was God and God divinely uh, impregnated Mary, and she brought forth this sinless Savior. I was doing some study today, and I want to read a couple paragraphs here. It is now definitely known that the blood which flows in an unborn baby's arteries and veins is not derived from the mother, but is produced within the body of the fetus itself only after the introduction of the male sperm. An unfertilized ovium, which is a gamut or an egg, can never develop blood since the female egg does not by itself contain the elements essential for the production of blood. It is only after the male element has entered the egg that blood can develop. As a very simple illustration of this, and I know because I used to raise chickens, think of the egg of a hen. An unfertilized egg is just an egg or an ovium on a much larger scale than the human ovium. You may not, you may incubate this unfertilized hen's egg, but it will never develop. It will decay and become rotten. But no chick will result. Let that egg be fertilized by the introduction of the male sperm, and incubation will bring to life the presence of life in that egg. After a few hours, it visibly develops. In a little while, red streaks occur in the egg, denoting the presence of blood. This can never occur and does never occur until the male sperm has been united with the female egg. The male element has added life to the egg. Life is in the blood. We know that according to Leviticus 17:11, for the life of the flesh is in the blood. Now, for this very reason, it is unnecessary that a single drop of blood be given to the developing the de developing embryo in the womb of the mother. Such is the case according to science. The mother provides the fetus, the unborn developing infant, with the nutrient elements for the building of that little body in the secret of her bosom. But all the blood which forms in that little body is formed in the embryo itself and only as a result of the contribution 
of the male parent. From the time of conception to the time of birth of the infant, not one single drop of blood ever passes from the mother to the child. The placenta, that mass of temporary tissue better known as afterbirth, forming the union between mother and child, is so constructed that although all the soluble nutrient elements such as proteins, fats, carbohydrates, salt, minerals, and even antibodies pass freely from the mother to the child, and the waste product of the child's metabolism are passed back to the mother's circulation, no actual interchange of a single drop of blood ever occurs normally. All the blood which is in the child is produced within the child itself as a result of the introduction of the male sperm. The mother contributes no blood at all. The problem with us is we have a earthly father. And from Adam to the end of the, of the race of humanity as we know it, that sin nature will always be passed down to the children. It's inevitable. It is a, it is a process. But Jesus was not conceived by an earthly mortal man. He was conceived by the Holy Ghost. When we go back to creation, when God made Adam, he said in Genesis 1 and 26, And God said, Let us make man in our image after our likeness. Now, those of you who may be listening tonight, if you have uh, your Bible close by, I want you to look at something with me, and I'm going to show you a type of a parenthetical gap. We talk about the gap theory in Genesis 1 and verse 1. But there's also another type of a gap there. I won't get into the details of it, but you can see it contextually in the Scriptures. Genesis chapter 5, verses 1 through 3. This is the book of the generations of Adam. In the day that God created man, in the likeness of God made he him. Male and female created he them, and blessed them, and called their name Adam in the day when they were created. Now you're going to see a gap. And Adam lived a hundred and thirty years, and begat a son in his own likeness after his image, and called his name Seth. So after he created Adam, it is evident that Adam possibly lived a hundred and thirty years in the garden. We, we really don't know, but this is what the scriptures are telling us between Genesis 5, verses 2 and 3. And then after he begat Seth, Verse 4, And the days of Adam, after he had begotten Seth, were 800 years, and he begat sons and daughters. So there's a uh, 670 years difference between the time we read about Adam's conception of, of Seth. Uh, we, we don't know exactly everything that took place in that time frame, but we have a, a good idea uh, by Genesis 1, 2, and 3, and of course going into to Genesis chapter 4. But the key here is, Adam originally was made in the image and in the likeness of God. But after the fall, after sin, we see that Seth was made after Adam's likeness, after his image. So man lost uh, his godliness, you might say. He lost that part of God in his life. Uh, it's, it's a non-scientific fact as we are all sitting or wherever you are tonight, your cells are regenerating right now. Your, your, your body cells are regenerating, but there's a problem. 
it's supposed to regenerate it exactly as it was. But because of the curse of sin, it always comes up a little short. It always lacks just a little bit of recreating it the same way. It's, it's You might say it's a generational loss, the epithelia, the, the parts of the body. And so therefore, after a period of time, uh, you get wrinkled. Your skin begins to sag. Your hair be- turns gray. All these, all these bad things begin to happen to us. Why? It's because the body now, because of the curse of sin, cannot reproduce that cell exactly like it was. That's why Jesus Christ had to be incarcerated in the flesh, but he was conceived by the Holy Ghost so that his blood would be righteous blood and he could be uh, free from sin. Uh, I personally don't believe that Jesus Christ had evil in any capacity in him. There was no desire in him to sin. There was nothing there because he said, Satan hath nothing in me. We can't say that. None of us have the ability to say, well, Satan can't say or do or make any kind of an appeal to me. But we all know he makes appeals to everyone, and he makes that appeal in different ways. I heard the previous uh, guest uh, brought up Harvey Weinstein. Uh, what a wicked, vile uh, man who, who thinks he has the right, the privilege to do all of these ungodly things he did. But why did he do that? What was the impetus behind that? The sin nature. The sin nature. He was trying to take dominion and authority over every woman that he, uh, maybe not everyone, but most of them he had an encounter with. And, and, and he would try to subdue them. But that was the sin nature in his life making that appeal to the sin nature in the other person. And so there's something there that you can relate to. Uh, this is why, as Christians, we seek to resist the devil. James, James 4, 7 says, Resist the devil, he will flee from you, draw nigh to God, and he will draw nigh to you. Uh, some of us have resisted. Sometimes our resistance wasn't as strong as it ought to have been. And after a while... We capitulated. We surrendered. We gave in to that temptation. Uh, maybe, maybe it's a, a drug. Maybe it's alcohol. Maybe it's pornography. Maybe it's uh, fornicating or adultery. And you, you try to resist that, but after a while you find yourself in a place where you, the resistance element is gone. And that's the godliness. That's the God part in your life, trying to stop that. And uh, uh, that's why I know works do not save us. But this is why we pray. This is why we bathe our minds in the Word of God. This is why we, we seek His presence. We, we fast periodically. Why? We're trying to keep our flesh in subjection that our flesh does not have lordship over our lives. This is the great dichotomy, Galatians 5, 16, 17. This I say, then walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusteth against the Spirit, the Spirit against the flesh, these are contrary one to the other, so that you cannot do the things that ye would. You would do good. Paul even talked about that in Romans chapter 7. Go back and read Romans chapter 7. He said, when I desire to do good, he said, evil is present with me. And when I desire to not do that evil, that's the thing I do. And I didn't want to do it, but I did it. See? Now, that's the closest you'll come to a confession, but he never said what it was. Just, you know, uh, uh, Solomon said in Ecclesiastes 7.20, there's not a just man upon the earth that doeth good and sinneth not. 
In other words, there's not a, a and don't take this out of context, self-righteous man. We hear that, well, he's self-righteous. Well, nobody can be self-righteous. What that means, they're bigoted and they're arrogant. They're self-centered and self-serving. But there's no such thing as self-righteousness, because you cannot save yourself. Uh, Ephesians 2, 8, 9 says, For by grace are ye saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, and not of works, lest any man should boast. Jesus Christ took all the bragging rights away from everyone, so nobody can say, well, I did this, and I did that, and, and I... No, for by grace are you saved through faith. You put your faith in what Jesus did, and not what you've done. Because once you start trusting in the arm of the flesh... You're headed for a terrible, terrible collapse. You're, you're headed for chaos and disaster in your own lives. Now, when, when we pray, and Jesus was constantly in prayer, I mean, that's, that is evident throughout the Scriptures. Many nights he would go and spend all night in prayer talking to the Father. Uh, this is a, probably a poor analogy. He was keeping his batteries charged, even though John 3... Uh, 34 says he was given the Spirit without measure. In other words, you could never measure the amount of the Spirit of God that Jesus Christ had in his life. Uh, John 3, 34, For God giveth not the Spirit by measure unto him. You see, we know the Spirit can be measured because of Elijah and Elisha. Elisha asked Elijah, I want a double portion of your Spirit. I want a double portion of your anointing. And Elisha said, if you see me taken away, you'll get that. But if you don't, you won't. And, of course, a chariot of fire and of horses came and took Elijah. And thus Elisha got the double anointing. And that's proven in the miracles. Uh, if I remember correctly, Elijah did 16 miracles and Elisha performed 32 miracles. So it, it can be measured. But John said what the Father gave Jesus, you could never measure it. You, 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 there's no way that we could understand that in our humanity. I, I know what it means to be anointed, but I have no idea the degree of the anointing that Jesus Christ walked in. Why? Because he was never having to fight that carnality, that spirit that was that is in all men except Christ. That's why he he wasn't being bold or arrogant here. He was simply telling the disciples from his heart. He's he's telling them with with clarity. He said, Hereafter, I will not talk much with you, for the prince of this world cometh. Satan's coming. And hath nothing in me. See, he was telling the disciples, he can make an appeal for your soul. How do we know? Well, we go back to Luke twenty-two thirty-one. Behold, Simon Peter, Satan hath desired to have you that he might sift you as sweet. But I have prayed for thee that thy faith fell not when thou art converted. Strengthen the brethren. Jesus was pre-warning Peter. Peter, Satan has exceedingly demanded that I give him your soul. He is desired to have you that he may sift you as sweet. That word sift in the Greek means to pierce, to riddle, to perforate. He, he, that's how bad he wants you. But I want you to know something, Peter. I have prayed for thee that thy faith fail not. Now, Peter's faith failed in, in, in a certain measure. But Jesus said, when thou art converted, strengthen thy brethren. Now, 
Here's Peter's reply. And he said unto him, Lord, I'm ready to go with thee, both into prison and to death. And he said, I tell thee, Peter, the crock shall not crow this day before thou hast thrice denied that thou knowest me. And, and, and I know in my heart, I really believe this with all of my heart, you know, Peter probably walked away with a fallen countenance. He walked away and he said, you know, I've been around this man called Jesus for years now. Maybe it's, maybe it's three years now. We've got six more months, or I've never tried to study out the time frame there, but it's getting close to the, the time of the cross. It could have been closer than that. But Peter probably said something like, you know, he's been right about everything. He's been absolutely, uh, he's not missed anything. He's been so accurate in every word, every measure of discernment. He's known it all. But you know what? He's wrong about this one. I'm, I'm not going to fail. I'm, I'm ready to go to prison. I'm ready to die. It doesn't matter. But then we soon find not too far out from there, when Jesus Christ is on his way to Calvary, Peter's cursing and swearing. He doesn't know the man. And then after the third time, the rooster crows. And he remembered the word of the Lord. Jesus does not lie to us. But see, Jesus understood there was something in Peter that Satan could make an appeal and had something in Peter that he could attach himself to to pull him down. This is why it's important that as a Christian, as a believer, we seek to protect ourselves. Now, we, we can't live in a bubble. We, we, we see things. We hear things. I'm out in public. I hear people use language that, that, that I it grieves my spirit. I don't want to hear it. There are things I see. You know, I, I read the news. I read something on Drudge Report today that was sickening about a couple having uh, sexual uh, relations on an airplane. Uh, you know, it's like, are you kidding me? The world is evil. And see, the devil knows he has something in all of us that he can appeal to. And it's different for everyone. It's not the same thing for everyone. You know, it, it may be just the fact that the devil tries to put bad thoughts in your mind. You've, you've got to resist the devil, or he tempts you with this, or he tempts you with that. But as you build up resistance in the Spirit, in the Word of God, what did Jesus use every time the devil tempted him? Now, Jesus told the disciples, he said, Satan hath nothing in me, yet what did the devil do? The devil came to try to lure Christ into a snare and break him down. But it wouldn't work. Why? Because there was nothing in Christ's life that Satan could appeal to. Matthew 4.1 Then was Jesus led up of the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. And when he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, he was afterward hungry. So uh, anybody would be hungry after 40 days because after 40 days, uh, the body will begin to try to consume the organs for survival and break down the organs and live off of them. And, of course, if you do get to break your fast, then there's already physical damage done to the body because of the uh, body trying to consume its organs to survive. So Jesus was hungry. Hunger fully returns after 40 days. And when the tempter came to him, he said, If thou be the Son of God, command that these stones be made bread. Now the word tempter there in the Greek simply means the devil came to make Jesus evil. 
the devil knew. He knew he had nothing in him because he saw in the spiritual sphere, the spiritual realm, he saw this conception by the Holy Ghost. He saw what happened. That's why the devil was trying to kill Mary and Joseph, and even after Jesus was born. And, 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 and Joseph had continual dreams to keep sparing their lives because Satan already knew something out of his control had taken place. It wasn't, it, you know, it's like Abraham when, uh, I believe it was Abimelech, was trying to take Sarah. See, Satan was trying to corrupt the promised seed. He was all, all, ever since the fall, he was trying to get in that seed. Why? Because God told him in Genesis 3.15, I'll put enmity between the woman, between thy seed and her seed. It shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his heel. He knew, Satan knew there was something coming that would bruise his head. And it had to deal with seed. That's why I shared tonight that the blood comes from the father. Because a man has seed, but a woman has an egg. And so the blood comes from the seed. So when God made that prophecy in Genesis, God full under, under, fully understood humanity, uh, uh, reproduction. He understood all of that. This is why this is so unique. This is why this is something that had never happened before. They call it the Immaculate Conception. It was something that had never been seen or heard. So God was doing this. So what was the devil doing? He was coming and he was trying to tempt Jesus, and he was trying to make Jesus evil. But it wouldn't work, because there was nothing in Christ for Satan to appeal to. Now, we've all been taught all of our lives, the first temptation was turn the stone into bread. In theory, that's not correct. The first temptation was relationship. If thou be the Son of God... If thou be the Son of God. How many times has the devil made every one of us question whether or not we're saved, born again, redeemed by the blood of Jesus Christ? Every one of you listening tonight, every listener, at one time or another, if not multiplied times, the devil has told you, you're not born again. You're not redeemed. You're not saved. Why, if he was really a Christian, you wouldn't have said that. You wouldn't have done that. See, he, he's, he's playing reverse psychology. He knows he's tempting you. He knows he has something in you that he can appeal to to pull you down. And so that when you stumble or you stagger or you fall, he comes with untold condemnation. Says, see there? That just proves what, what the devil, he said, that just proves what I said. You're not saved. If you'd been a born-again child of God, you would not have done that. But we have to understand there is something in us that he can make an appeal to. Now, He's not going to tempt me uh, to rob a bank. But there are other subtleties and means and modes and methods that he seeks to find a place in our lives. So when he came to Jesus, as far as I'm concerned, the first temptation was relationship. If thou be the Son of God, command that these stones be made uh, bread. He was appealing to Christ sonship to the Father. John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but should have everlasting life. 
For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. So, you see what the devil was really saying? You think you're the Son of God? You think you're the Messiah? You really think you're the Redeemer? Because you've got to remember, even though Jesus was all God, he was all man. He sweat. He bled. I mean, he was just as human as anybody could be. But there was nothing in him. That, I want you to get this tonight. There was nothing in him that Satan could appeal to to bring him down. He said, the prince of this world, he hath nothing in me. And, and, and I would dare say the disciples couldn't understand that. Because they saw his humanity, yet they saw his deity. But yet every man, they say, has his weak point. He has his weak spot. Uh, he has his price. Well, there was none for Jesus. See, that's why he was the sinless sacrifice that would atone for our sins. See, and, 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 and this is why the blood of Jesus is so significant. You know, a lot of people today in ministry never mention the blood of the Lamb. They just never talk about the blood. Uh, some say, well, it's gruesome, it's gory, I don't want to talk about that. That's done and been done with over 2,000 years ago. So why bother to mention it? What they don't understand is the blood of Jesus Christ is what atones for our sins. It is the blood that when we sin or we err, that we can ask the Father in Jesus' name to atone for that sin, to forgive us of that sin, because the blood, is, is, I like the old song, uh, Andre Crouch, the blood will never lose its power. The blood of Jesus Christ is just as fluid and alive and well as it was the day it ran down the cross and ran down and soiled the earth. That, that the blood of Jesus Christ is just as powerful as it was then. Now in Genesis chapter 9, this is better known as the Noatic, the Noatian covenant. Uh, Genesis 9 and 1, And God blessed Noah and his sons and said unto them, be fruitful, and multiply, and replenish the earth. And the fear of you, and the dread of you, shall be upon every beast of the earth, and upon every fowl of the air, and upon all that moveth upon the earth, and upon all the fishes of the sea, and to your hand are they delivered. Every moving thing that liveth shall be meat for you, even as the green herb have I given you all things." Now, for those of you out there who want to practice the Mosaic Law, uh, you go ahead and squabble about people who eat shrimp or oysters or pork chops. You see, this covenant God made with Noah, he said, every moving thing that liveth shall be meat for you. And I know you got your sordid people out there saying, well, are you going to eat maggots? No, I'm not going to eat maggots. But he tells us, even as the green herb have I given you all things. And then people use that, green herbs, uh, to smoke dope. Well, that's not why God gave us herbs, to ingest them in the sense of nutrition and nutrients in our body. But here's the next thing, that's the next verse here, verse 4, Genesis 9, verse 4. But flesh with the life thereof, which is the blood thereof, shall ye not eat. In other words, you're not to drink blood. Why? Leviticus seventeen eleven. For the life of the flesh is in the blood. I have given to you upon the altar to make an atonement for your souls. For it is the blood 
that maketh an atonement for the soul. Every creature that God made, he put blood in them. Every man, every woman, they have blood in their body. Uh, if, if I need blood, and Doug, or you or Joe want have my blood type, you guys can give me life. You, you, you can bring me back uh, from the portals of death through your blood if it's the same type of blood. Why? Because the life of the flesh is in the blood. And this is why the blood of Jesus Christ is so significant, so important, and it's also why there was nothing for the devil to appeal to in Christ because his blood was sinless. There was nothing there to appeal to. You know, kids in their teenagers, in their teen years, man, their hormones are going crazy. They just can't seem to suppress anything. They're just all out of control. Why? Because God put that in there, but see, the devil comes along and he corrupts it. He corrupts everything that God has ever given man. And so when he's talking to Noah here, this is the essence and foundation of the doctrine of substitution and atonement. In other words, when Adam and Eve even died, or excuse me, when they sinned, it cost some animal its life. We immediately saw the shedding of blood that was atoning for their sins, and then they made the, God made the coats and put them on Adam and Eve. So they didn't get off scotch-free. Somebody's blood was shed for their sins. And so this is where this atonement began. And, of course, in other words, what we have here is life for life. Jesus' life and sinless blood atoned for our sins and our sinful blood, our sinful nature, our sinful desires. The blood of Jesus Christ atones for that. Romans six twenty three says, The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. We read in Hebrews 9.22, And without shedding of blood is no remission for sin. So blood had to be shed. I just read an article. Uh, I would, won't call the, the, the man's name because he's a good man. I love him. I support his ministry. But he wrote an article some weeks ago, and he's talked about the spilling of the blood to make covenant. And I thought, sir, you, you don't understand what you're saying. When you spill something, that is an accident. When you shed blood, that's willful and intentional. I've had four children. We've all had children know when we get to the restaurant, get ready. Coke, Pepsi, water, tea. They're going to turn stuff over, and here goes Mama trying to jump up and get napkins and whatever and get it all up before it gets on everybody. That's an accident because they, they spilled it. They didn't intentionally do that. But when you shed blood, even in a blood covenant, when two men would cut their hands and shake hands, you know, one blood covenant here, that cutting is intentional for bleeding willfully. It's not a, an accident. Uh, Jesus bled intentionally, willfully, marred, mutilated, eviscerated. Why? His blood had to be shed. It wasn't spilled. It was shed. It was for atonement. And, and, and so this is why this is so significant. Now, there was no Adamic nature in Christ, none. Therefore, Satan had no pull. He had no fleshly appeal to bring Christ down. Every one of us, whether you realize it or not, Satan and his minions are plotting and they're planning something 
to try to bring all of us down in some form or fashion. And some of the greatest, uh, saddest stories is people that have had great ministries and, and, and great avenues and venues for, to, to preach the gospel, and, and they sinned. And then the devil stands back and mocks and ridicules and, 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 and just just brutally uh, mocks them and, and brings them into great shame. And a lot of the times they're never the same, you know. But the Bible said, to whom much is given, much is required. You know, I know as a minister, and I witnessed this, and I'm going to say something here, and some people may get angry, that's all right. I see too many ministries and too many ministers trying to build a bigger and larger platform for themselves. Not for the kingdom, not for winning souls, but they covet, they desire notoriety. And they will hustle, they will shake, and they will bake to get here, to get there, or, you know, Doug, to get on your and, and Joe's program, or whoever's. That's right. I never call anyone. You guys called me and asked me to come on your show years ago. When I was on Jim Baker, my name came up in a meeting. And, of course, Jim didn't know who I was, and somebody told him my name came up. He said, well, well get it. Bring him down here. You know, I, I don't try to open any doors. I don't try to make anything happen. I let God put me where he wants to be because you see too many guys are interested in building an empire they're interested in building a kingdom when they should be seeking one thing to build god's kingdom and if i'm just a little bit of brick and mortar on one side of the wall if i'm just one brick and just a little bit of mortar to help establish the kingdom of god so be it. i'm not trying to be on a whole wall but you've got guys that's what they're interested in and this is where men get frayed, and they get out of position because they're not preaching repentance and the power and the blood of Jesus Christ. You see, the blood is what this is all about tonight, because Jesus had no sinful blood. But every one of us, we have a sinful nature because of the blood of our father. Doug, uh, I heard you say about your dad. Would have been 93, 94 today? 95 today. And 95, excuse me, yeah, I was off. Uh, that his, his Adamic blood passed on to you. And that's not to castigate or impinge or be critical, but it's a reality. You know, we, uh, I've got four children, and, and, I, and I hear them say things, and they're all adults now, 21 to 31. I hear them say things. Some of them look like me. I see some mannerisms. And where did that come from? It came from me. Some of it I like. Some of it I dislike. As a matter of fact, I see more that I dislike than I like. Why? Because I passed down to them a part of my fallen nature. My wife passed down a part of her fallen nature to those children. It's something, if we could stop it, we would, but we can't. That's the significance of having Jesus to come in and, and have his blood applied to our doorposts, to our, the door lintels of our own personal hearts. And, and so when judgment comes, he sees the blood. He says, I will pass over you. See? And, and, and we need to realize the power is in the blood of Jesus Christ. I want to quote it again, Leviticus 17, 11, For the life of the flesh is in the blood. I have given it to you upon the altar to make an atonement for your soul, for it is the blood that maketh atonement for the soul. Ephesians 1 and 7 says, In whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sin, according to the riches of his grace. 
First John 1, 7 says, If we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, his Son, cleanseth us from all sin. Revelation 1, 5 says, Unto him that loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood. Think about that. Washed us in his own blood. And then Leviticus twelve eleven, and this is this is the the climatic uh, facet of the blood. Revelation twelve eleven, they overcame him, the devil, by the blood of the lamb and through the word of their testimony. It is the power that's in the blood, and it's the power of the blood that gives every redeemed, regenerated person a testimony. You could not have a testimony tonight if you have never been washed in the blood of Jesus Christ, and I'm telling you. I sense this powerfully tonight. There are so many people that claim to be a Christian, but they've never been washed in the blood of the Lamb. That old song, what can take away my sins? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. And if you don't, if you're never washed in the blood, you cannot have a testimony. So John understood it clearly when he was unctioned by the Spirit of God. They, you and I, we overcome the devil by the blood of the Lamb and through the word of our testimony. And yet, there is such a, 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 a historic, uh, unfathomable failure in preachers today to preach about the blood of Jesus Christ. You know, you, you don't have to be a rocket scientist. You don't have to be a theologian. You don't have to know any Greek. You don't have to know any Hebrew. You don't have to read the, the, the Greek Septuagint or the Latin Vulgate or the Masoretic text. All you have to do is believe in the blood of Jesus Christ. When that thief on the cross saw that shed blood, he said, that man is, is, a, is royal. That, that's royal. That's king blood. That's the blood of a king. He, could, he, he got a witness from that. He understood his... Adamic nature, his sinful fall and his sinful life. But he didn't see that in Jesus. He saw a king and he saw a kingdom. And he said, remember me, remember me. What was he asking? Allow your blood to be applied to my heart, spiritually speaking now. Allow it to be applied. And, and so in Genesis, all the way to the book of Revelation, the blood of Jesus Christ is woven through the scriptures for our redemption. There's no more pretty, uh, wholesome words than redemption and repentance. Then there's nothing else. You know, and what is so great about the blood of Jesus Christ? You know, maybe, maybe you have fallen off the wagon or you, you've stumbled and you've staggered. You know, uh, David in Psalms 37, 23, he said, the steps of a good man ordered by the Lord, and he delighteth in his way. Though he fall, he shall not be utterly cast down, for the Lord upholdeth him with his hand. I have been young, and now am old, yet have I not seen the righteous forsaken, nor his seed begging bread. He is ever merciful and lendeth, and his seed is blessed. There again, you see the word seed. See, we are, we are born again by the blood which is the incorruptible seed. That, that's why the Father, the connection is so great about the blood. You know, that, that's not to uh, castigate women, but this was God's design because God is masculine. See, I, and I, the, the, the gentleman before me, boy, he hit it out of the ballpark. You got men who are not men anymore. 
They're sissies. They're weak. They're, they're pathetic. Oh, uh, I can't serve God. It's too hard. Let me tell you, anybody can get drunk. Anybody can smoke dope. Anybody can lay out at night and gamble and carouse and uh, ramble and do. It takes a man to say, you know what? I'm going to stand up and live for Jesus Christ. You know, I, I read an article the other day about this. Uh, this guy was talking about the NFL players. And they said, well, when we're kneeling, we're, we're, we're reverent. He said, when I kneel, I kneel to Jesus Christ and the cross on which he died. That's what I kneel for and to. But I stand for the anthem. Because, you see, they've got everything so messed up. PC, political craves. I, I've got to where I, I loathe it to no end. I mean, I just, I despise it. You know, uh, a man thinks he's a, a woman, and a woman thinks she's a man today. What, what kind of nonsense is that? Where are the men? that will stand up and say, you know what? I'm going to live right. My house is going to live right. I'm going to do my best to be a godly example to my wife and to my children. You see, most wives will follow a godly man. And regretfully, men, you, you, you've allowed the devil to usurp your godliness, and that's why you have strife in your home, because your wife wants to look up to you. She wants to respect you. She wants to esteem you. She wants to highly esteem you. But but you, 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 you whip out, you cop out, you know? And and I, I get the letters about husbands drinking and watching pornography all the time. Anybody can do that. Anybody can live in the gutter. It takes no effort. Just just just, li- just lay there and there you are. Get up. Apply the blood of Jesus Christ to your life. Have devotions. Have prayer with your wife. Have prayer with your spouse. Don't shack up with her. She's good enough to shack up with. Marry her. See? People said, well, you know, divorce is going down. That's a lie straight out of hell. They're just not marrying today. That, that, that's, that's the problem. You know, and, and, and what divorce we do have, it is now a fact. It is higher in the church than it is in the world. Because they don't want to make that commitment because, well, I might have to you know, split 50-50 the house and the car and the 401K and the stocks and all of this. I love my wife. You know, I, I want her to have all she can have when I die. I, you know, there, there's just something that's happened to our society. And, and what has happened is God has been removed. There's no God consciousness. You know, I think about God and practically every decision I make. Where is this going to lead me? What is it going to do to me? Let me pray about this. Let me involve God in this. You've heard me quote the scripture in Psalms 10, verse 4, the wicked through the pride of his countenance, will not seek after God. God is not in all of his thoughts. Why does a man not think he needs God? He's proud. I don't need God. Look at people who have been in World War II and these other wars in Iraq and and Afghanistan. They say you don't find infidels and agnostics and atheists in foxholes. Because when when you face death, the reality of it is. I like what John Kelly did the other day after that purported wannabe congresswoman out of Florida. He said he went out and he walked among among the most honorable men and women. And where did he go? He went to Arlington Cemetery and he walked among the deceased, real men, real women, who gave their lives for America. Well, let me tell you something. I'm speaking, I'm addressing about a man called Jesus Christ who gave his life for every one of us. Every one of us, he gave his life because he loved us. 
and and knowing that, understanding that, I love him, and I'm so glad he didn't give up on me and and cast me off to the side. Though I was living a life of rebellion, I you know it, it, God should have just let me go to hell and said you're not worth saving. But see, I I can't understand that kind of love. But what little bit I can understand, when, when you try to understand the gravity of the price he paid, that's what allows him and suffers him to go the extra mile to save us. He paid a price like no one ever paid for us. That's why he says he is our redeemer. I bought and paid for you your redemption, not with silver, not with gold, but with my precious blood, my blood. It wasn't just the blood of another bullock, a turtle dove, a goat, or a ram. This was the blood of a king. And, 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 and when you get this blood applied to your own hearts, this is what helps you to be victorious. And, and therefore, there's less for the devil to appeal in your life. Let me quote it again in closing. Revelation twelve eleven. They overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and through the words of their testimony. And they loved not their lives even unto the death. Why? Because they knew there was something, there's something greater, something better after this life, if we hold on. Matthew twenty four thirteen. But he that shall endure unto the end, the same shall be saved. Doug, I hope, Amen. Joe, I hope we've said something tonight to to illuminate some people's hearts and minds to see why the power is in the blood of Jesus Christ. Amen. Uh, wow, I, I I've never quite heard it laid out that way and that was a great uh, message and sermon on the on the blood pastor langford absolutely it really was and and, and the the fatherly yeah you know component there um i've never heard that before about the the, the blood coming only from the well father yeah yeah you know i i, I used to raise chickens and, and you can put all the eggs you want into an incubator but if that egg has not been fertilized by that rooster, it will not reproduce. And and it's true when that egg and I've seen some of them uh, prematurely uh, hatched, or let me say pre- prematurely uh, laid, and it's got a very thin skin. It don't even have a shell yet. You can see those blood vessels in there. But if you take that egg, and that's because I had a rooster in there. Because if you ever want to incubate. You know, all the all the hens have have been uh, with a, with a rooster, and so they'll sometimes lay that egg prematurely, and uh, you can see its thin skin. You can see the blood vessels, and, but if she's not had a rooster, those blood vessels do not are, don't appear. And, and so that's why this is so significant to us to understand why Christ could live like He did, infallible, without sin. Because there was nothing in him for the devil to say, "Hey, you know that thought you got, you, you know that habit you got. You know, I, I can, I can come into your life and get a stronghold because there's something in you that I can appeal to." And there again, it's all because of the blood being passed down in the Adamic nature. But see, Jesus was able to circumvent that through the Spirit of God and Mary conceiving through the Holy Spirit and not through a man. And that's why she said to Gabriel. How can this thing be? I know not a man. I, 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 how, how's this going to happen? He said, the Holy Spirit will overshadow you, and you will conceive, and that which is in you shall be called holy. That's why nobody, no, no earthly man that's ever been born is a holy man. 
He's an unholy man. But Jesus, through the through the blood of the Father, the the, the, the Most High God, and that's beyond my ability to to fathom to grasp the the, the majesty of God. That's how she conceived. He said, the Holy Ghost shall come upon thee in the power of the highest. And that word highest in the your King James is, is capitalized. The power of the highest. There's nothing no higher than the deity of God the Father shall overshadow thee. Therefore also that holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. The Son of God. Just like uh, 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 Joe is your son, Doug. Jesus was the son of the most highest. But it's beyond anything that we could ever comprehend. But it had to be that way so he could pay for sin's debt. Wow. All right. Wow. Pastor, thank you so very much for a uh, a very uh, appropriate sermon. And even uh, touching on the... uh, uh, the role of the father, the role of the male in, in the family, and how timely is that in, in the uh, in everything we're seeing today? So, wow, inspirational, well, informational as always. Thank you for allowing me uh, to be on your program and to share the gospel. Thank you for your willingness. Uh, you know, I know what I hear from the listeners. They love to hear the truth. I uh, like anybody else. I get a few detractors here and there, but. We get more positive comments than we do negative by by far. Absolutely, and, and you know this is a, uh, a global platform, and and you've reached a lot of people. I, I just got an email here uh, from uh, I'm, I'm trying to say okay, it's a, from Jennifer listening live in the UK, wanting to express her thanks to you. So you know it's it's this is right. amazing. This is just amazing. So, well, praise God. Yeah, well, amen. have a blessed week, both of you, Joe, Doug, Jack, and Eric, and Renee, and the staff there. Uh, God bless you all, and be blessed is all I can say. God thank, bless you, thank you, Pastor, Pastor. Langford. Right, thank, thank you so much, and God bless you all, and all, all right. the listeners, too. Good night. Have a great night. All right. Bye-bye. Wow. That was, van- that, that was a fantastic sermon by, by Pastor David Langford, thevoiceofevangelism.com. Um just to hear him uh, speak like that, I, I hope everyone paid attention, and, and, and I hope uh, you'll have the chance to go back and listen to that again. There was so much information packed into that. Yeah. As we're closing, we, we got are, a, uh, we're following. We've yes. gotten several emails and messages about the situation in Thornton, Colorado, where there was a, a shooting. Details are still incoming. We it's being reported that there's up to one to two dead and one injured. But there's over almost 100 emergency uh, vehicles from police cars to ambulances and, and fire trucks there. And they, I, I think they've established that the shooter or shooters have left or they're are not large, there. Yeah. Um, but they, there's still a lot of confusion. And at first it looked like it was terrorism, and now it's looking like it could be gang-related. Not sure. Again, details are, are very um, cloudy right now. Quite the response, though, as you would well imagine after everything that's happened, and this being the one-month anniversary after Vegas. Yeah. And, you know, know, kicking off the Christmas shopping season, really, as we're into November now. It's a good thing that this isn't terrorism because um, we we, we don't know what it is, actually. Right. So uh, getting lots of weird reports from a guy was wearing a suit, an all-black suit, to 
Um, all, all kinds, I mean, very conflicting reports. It seems that this area of Colorado is very diverse. Yeah. Yeah, it's something that, that we'll be following th- throughout the night. Um, and again, that's in Thornton, Colorado. Um, uh, apparently one dead, two at large, perhaps. Those are early reports. You know how those are. So we'll be following that as well as others, other matters. Don't forget, tune in tomorrow, 9 a.m. to the Doug Hagman radio show. And from 2 to 3, John and Joe, their radio show, the Hagman Daily Show, and then come back tomorrow night for our flagship program, The Hagman Report. Tomorrow night we're going to have um, uh, a fantastic, well, we have a fantastic lineup uh, tomorrow. Uh, we're going to be revisited by Peter Barry Chalka and then two debut guests. Um, it, it's just going to be a, a fantastic show. Uh, check HagmanReport.com for details, more details on that tomorrow. And in the meantime, I just want to say that... Uh, well, we appreciate your trust in us and um, your your assistance, your help, your uh, support. Thanks for being part of our our listener listening family, our extended uh, extended family of listeners. I like to refer to you as that. And uh, with that, we just wish you a very very good night. Uh, pray for the victims in New York. Um, and, uh, and all over, and and also help support uh, uh, Lieutenant Sarga Sangari. His efforts—they're doing a fantastic job. And um, the uh, well, just—I'll I'll tell you what—just j- j- tune in tomorrow to to my program, to Joe's program, and of course the flagship show. Check Hagman Report. Follow us on on our social networking, Twitter, Facebook, and. and and such. Joe, that'll do it for us tonight. Yep. Have a great night. We'll be back tomorrow.